Warning, the following podcast may contain foul language, offensive humor, and other juvenile behaviors. If you find these things offensive, stop listening now. Otherwise, enjoy the show. And now here we stand, gold as far as we see. With just one more obstacle, it's all up to me. And I storked it. I fucked up the die roll. I storked it. My luck's a black hole, so I storked it. And I know I'm an asshole, because I storked it. Thank you for joining us for Season 16, Episode 2 of Happy Jack's RPG Podcast. My name is Stu. I'm Kadev. I'm Satork. And I'm uh, cheap. <laughs> cheap? Oh. <laughs> yeah, cheap. Definitely cheap. I think you're easy. You're not cheap. That uh, could be a, the truth. Uh, <laughs> hi, I'm Walt, everybody. <laughs> and who are you, and what do you do that makes you famous? Um... What I do makes me famous is probably not something we can discuss over an open line. But, oh, uh, oh. Guys, yeah, woo! I, I think uh, I've seen your films. Uh, the <laughs> the co-host of uh, Mike Lafferty's The Banff Podcast. The Banff Podcast, and if you're a comic fan, you know Banff is the sound that Lightcrawler makes whenever he disappears, right? Or uh, you know when we all get together and eat jalapeno poppers. So, Oy! You know, it's all good. Uh, and that's spelled B A M P H. Uh, no P, P-F. but the rest of it's good. It's the Chris Claremont oh. spelling. Just look Bam- it up. Uh, no P, B-A-M-F? Yep, B-A-M-F. Okay, Bamf. all right. Badass uh, motherfucker. Badass yeah. motherfucker. You got to do what you got to do. <laughs> no, 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 come on. Chris Claremont has come up with some of the best sound effects ever. Chris Claremont, the writer of X-Men, came up with Bamf and also Snicked. 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 Yes. yes. Which yeah. one? Oh, Snicked is the... Sh- that's okay. right. Everyone knows Snicked. <clears throat> Yep, the sound of a beer can opening. <laughs> no, that's that's Don Martin. That's Spoit. <laughs> He's my other favorite sound effects guy. Also, a bottle hitting someone's head in Don Martin's world goes doomed. That's very onomatopoetic. It is. He's he was yeah. he was a genius of onomatopoetry. <laughs> Who came wow. up with foop? Don Martin. Did he really? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. There's actually a dictionary, an online dictionary of Don Martin sound effects. <laughs> For those of you that don't know Don Martin, he was the guy in Mad Magazine that always had people dying and horrible like, oh, yeah. deaths at the end of each... The most month. gruesome thing I remember is the guy's trying to pick the Band-Aid oh, off. Oh, yeah! yeah and he yeah. pulls out two, like, adhesive portion of the Band-Aid's... It squares. Sh- squares of yeah. skin. It's disgusting. Just, it, it, absolute, like, sugar cube, like, yeah. like indentations <laughs> in his arm. Oh, my God, that guy's gross. It was awesome. And uh, all of his tennis <clears throat> shoes flipped over whenever they walked. Right, he had these like yeah. It was he, he, I loved his style. I copied it, aped it, stole from it. So tell us about the show. Oh yeah. Well, uh, Banff Podcast is uh, run by uh, uh, the self-proclaimed uh, Colorado salsa dance champion Mike Lafferty, and uh, he uh, uh, put this group of uh, guys together uh, to talk about comics and uh, how they can be relatable to RPGs. Uh, great thing about the show is that all the hosts. Um, we all work in the RPG industry as well. So um, Mike has his own company, Fanningo Games. Uh, I have my own company, Hazard Studio. Uh, we work with a couple of doctors, a few professors, and uh, you know we get to geek out and talk to a lot of the guys from uh, some of the big companies like Green Ronin, um, uh, like I said, Fanningo Games, and uh, you know it, it's really a, it's really a fun show because uh, uh, you know you get to geek out, not only geek out on all the comic book stuff that you get to play, you know play with and check out but uh you also get to um 
take all of those neat ideas and see what you can rip off for your for your home table. So are, are you, a lot of fun. Good are stuff. you saying there's a crossover between comic book geeks and role playing geeks? A little bit. Shocked. A little bit. Like, Shocked, um, I tell you. One of the guys that we regularly get to talk to is uh, the artist of Stray. He also works for uh, Dynamite Comics uh, doing some of the Pathfinder covers. Um, uh, his name is Sean Isaacs. He's out of South Africa. Um, and he is a rabid D&D player. Loves his Dungeons & Dragons. Uh, if you follow him on Twitter, um, he routinely posts how he's going to torture his players once the dice hit the table. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a fun show. Uh, a lot of good guys. Um, can't say enough good things about it. But uh, And I really appreciate you guys allowing me to come on and uh, pimp the show a little bit. It's, it's really appreciated. Thank you. How, uh, I'm curious, actually. Uh, how did you find us? I mean, we're just like I put a weird... the word out. Oh, all right. <laughs> Wasn't that, that was like... The, um, two episodes through, ago, two, yeah, Stu climbed on the top of his garage <laughs> and he built this big fire. <laughs> I got a blanket and then, out, and no, no, and then like you know, down the way, like in Eagle Rock, <laughs> another fire was lit, and then down the way farther in Glendale, another fire was lit, and Dun, next thing you know, the writers of yeah, yeah. showed up. <laughs> the podcasters have heard the call. <laughs> <laughs> right. So when I when I heard you were going to be on the podcast, I'm like, who's this guy? So I, I looked up BAMP podcast. Immediately I knew what the BAMP was. I'm like, hmm, I might like this. And I like your podcast a lot. And I've been sort of oh, going through you. it. But I'm like, Stu, I don't have a two-hour commute every day. So I've sort of been trying to listen to it as best I can. And my favorite episode so far has been your, your Dream Team episode where you, you guys all assemble Dream Teams for your favorite comic book. And I forgot yeah, that. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Which one? Which one was your favorite dream team? Well, I I, uh, um, I really liked uh, you know all the stuff that was going on in the '80s. So I said uh, you know because everybody else always steals the good ideas. So I try and put off the off color ideas all the time. And uh, uh, I said that my dream team would have had to have been all the guys from the '80s. So um, the Bionic Man and Bionic Woman. Uh, you know, if we had to get Bigfoot in there, we could throw some Night Rider in there. And then when all <laughs> shit Rider. hit the fan. Uh, you know, because uh, you can't have an '80s comic book without David Hasselhoff, right? I Absolutely mean, that not. That hair, those abs, that, that singing—he's uh, probably going to be drinking some Irish beer uh, made in Germany. God, um, but <laughs> the Hoff. But I blame him now. <laughs> you know what? He actually played a pretty good Nick Fury. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, you know, uh, uh, except for the afro, because I mean, he did have the afro. Well, yeah, but at least he had the eye patch. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, and then when all that shit hit the fan, uh, we'd go right into uh, bringing the A-team in to clean up. So, I mean, those those ep- kind of episodes are fun because then you can take those same things. And, uh, I mean, you could do the same thing with, like, the Dead Presidents game that, uh, you know, you guys pimp all the time or, you know, some of the Ghostbusters stuff. It's, uh, it, it, it's it, bringing those topics and... and uh, spreading those ideas around, uh, kind of like a bad cold, um, it, it really it gets infectious, and we get a lot of uh, feedback from people saying that uh, they enjoy the show. So uh, it's it's really a good time. I've stolen many a plot from comic books, to be sure. I think you should run that game right there in Spirit of Seventy Seven. You're just gonna have to move your action heroes back a decade <laughs> or forward, or forward seventy seven, eighty. No, he's in the eighties. It'd have to be like Bruce Lee. Yeah. Oh, well. Yeah. Clint Eastwood. <laughs> oh, I could do it. I yeah. could definitely pull it off. Yeah, yeah. Well, cool. Sasquatch driving kit would be incredible, says Minnesota Gooch on the forum. Oh, oh my God. Could you imagine <laughs> his hair flowing out of the tea roof? <laughs> <laughs> and you know who played Sasquatch in the uh, in the Bionic Man? No. It was, was, it was Ted Cassidy, the guy that played Lurch. 
Oh, was it really? Really? You're right. <laughs> Don't you still That's have actually that? actually not that much. Dude. You're right. Oh, my Holy God. Shit. <laughs> yeah. That dude, that dude is like Basso Profundo Profundo. Oh, yeah. He was so awesome. Yeah, Ted Cassidy. All right. So, uh, yeah, there's a Sorry. bunch of other shows on there, too. So, like, uh, you know, we, uh, we also do uh, interviews with up-and-coming comic creators. So, um, uh, we've got to interview quite a few people, and uh, through that, we've made also other connections so that some of these comic book guys are actually now going to some of the RPG creators that we work with and uh, making RPGs of their own properties. So it's, it's, it's a nice little marriage. I blame Atomic Robo. Atomic Robo was, uh, was a comic book first, right, and then became a Fate game? Absolutely, yeah. Uh, they, they lurched onto that. Uh, early and then got that going. Um, uh, did have you seen it? Do you have it? Uh, I do not have it. I have seen it. I've read it. I'm I'm not a huge Fate fan, but I can't talk about it with absolute because I haven't played all of the Fate derivatives. There's like what fifteen of them. I don't know. Who knows? Yeah, I've only played two Fate core <clears throat> games. Was it core? Were you playing core? No, I, or? I paid. I played one Fate Accelerated and one Fate. Core. Okay. So I'm an expert now. There's also another really good game out there, comic book related, that's uh, related to Fate. Um, Ross Payton uh, has uh, Base Raiders, where basically um, all the superheroes and supervillains of the world have disappeared, um, but their bases are still there. So in D&D style fashion, just regular people get juiced up with whatever they can to kind of cope with the menaces that they're going to encounter, and then they raid, raid the bases for technology oh, to sell on eBay. It's a dungeon crawl, <laughs> awesome. but it's in super bases. That's right. awesome. That's a cool idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah I dig that. It's kind of Gamma World-esque. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, it's really good. Uh, you know, you get the uh, the super cell phone that activates several nuclear devices. Uh, I think Ross said that it went for a couple million on eBay. So I mean, you know, there's there's that. So good stuff. <laughs> it could be like Fallout too. You get the whole, you know, oh. you open up another another vault. Right. Uh, if you'd like to email us, you can email us at happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. That's happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. We love the email. Uh, you can also follow us on the Twitters, and that's at happyjacksrpg. All one word. We have a forum, happyjacksrpg slash forum. You can go there. You have to register to see it now because sock puppets. Sorry. What? Yeah. Really? We've been uh, we've been puppeted again. A lot. Well, we still we still get puppeted, but now I get to see who's puppeting Aha. because they have to put an email address in that they can then confirm. So you truly are the puppet master. I am the puppet master. <laughs> At least on our forum. Uh, and also, I just opened up the Q&A. So for those of you who are listening in the chat room at happyjacks.org slash chat, uh, you can put your questions and distractions right there. I'm also watching the chat room so I can hear what you're, see what you're talking about. Uh, and there was, oh, and if you want to listen live, listen live at uh, happyjacks.org slash live on, well, for the time being, Friday nights, 8.30 p.m. Pacific time, 7.30 p.m. the other time. And now the Google and Plus the Central Time. No, wait, no. T- t- eight th- nine thirty, ten thirty, and eleven thirty Eastern Time. I was told right there would be no math. And then something <laughs> six thirty Hawaii time. Something thirty UTC. Oh, uh, and then you can Google it. See our ugly mugs on the G pluses. Yeah, yeah. If you want, I, I would not suggest it. <laughs> Oh, and we have a game convention coming up February 12th through the 15th. Shit. At, uh, that's Strategicon. Orcon? Is yes. Orcon? It Valentine's is Orcon. Day. And that is, yeah, Valentine's Day weekend. Um, big role playing game weekend. And uh, that's at the LAX Hilton <laughs> Hotel. Big, big role playing game weekend. <laughs> 
<laughs> and go to strategicon.net for yeah, that. Yeah, you're no, I'm, I'm I'm with you. There's you know there's. It, I, mean, I have a question. Table if, uh, if you don't mind. Yeah. Uh, Stork, did they make you exercise at the Nerdstrog Gym during the convention? I did not go for fear of actually having to exercise. <laughs> I mean, a man of my advanced age and physique would have a stroke right there, and it wouldn't be good for uh, publicity at all. Bitch didn't go. Nope. <laughs> Nerd has stroke in gym. Do not go. I thought it would be bad publicity. I just so I, I <clears throat> saved them that embarrassment. I went. I, d- I did some burpees after I had a few beers. Oh. <laughs> would maybe a burpee. They have your- they have like some kind of workout mace. Did you see that? It's this iron well, like bar. They spray you with no, no, oh. no like a weapon. Nice. Oh, okay, all right. <laughs> I, I killed Stork. He probably thought I was. Uh, yeah, I'm like, yeah. Harder. <laughs> oh my god! Sweat you better harder. work harder. <laughs> fat, fat beer next to me. Stop! <laughs> <laughs> they call it Febreze. Uh, <laughs> no, it, it, there was like these iron bars with a big iron ball on the end of it. It's not actually a weapon. It's some sort of workout weapon thing. And they're freaking huge. And they swing it to exercise? I, never, I just saw people playing with it. And and then Kimmy went, oh, they're playing with them. I hope they don't hurt themselves. <laughs> I guess they're <laughs> fucking heavy. They look heavy. And they were All acting right. like they were heavy. But I don't I don't know what exercise you do with those things. No, they probably a variation on the uh, on the sledge hit. Uh, they take a truck tire. And then they use a sledgehammer to repeatedly hit the tire, uh, build your shoulders, or biceps, uh, your uh, pectoral muscles. Um, they, uh, wow, uh, the stairs I'm getting right now. Is this man talking Does that, gymnasium? That, uh, uh, that, but no, that, that sounds intrinsically dangerous, because wouldn't they bounce back from the truck tire? That's that's why you have to be have an instructor next to you before well, you train. start doing it. Here's an idea. Yeah. Why don't you take a shovel and go do, big, dig a ditch in your garden and plant some flowers? <laughs> Same workout. <laughs> a little less dangerous. No, it's not nearly as violent as beating a tire. Today. Not in California ground. You ever tried to put a spade in the California ground? <laughs> go garden in the winter when it's freezing. There you go. We don't know what that means, though. Well, but we've we've certainly tried to stink a post in Devor. That that's her rock quarry. I will say, <clears throat> this last Sunday, I was returning from my week in th- Colorado for Thanksgiving, and my family and I stayed the night in Flagstaff, Arizona, on the way home. And Sunday morning, we wake up to get ready and go. It is seven degrees outside. Fuck that! Right. <laughs> So Seven. I'm bundling up toddlers and myself and loading up the car, and we get out to the car, and it's cold as shit, and we're going. And when we arrived back here in California, it was 70 degrees. Of course. Which means I had to change clothes three times on the way home. Of course. Because it was like, oh, okay, cool, we're all going to start off in parkas and sweats and layers and the kids have. I bought long underwear for the kids, and they're all starting at that. And then down the hill a ways, it's now up well above freezing. And I'm like, no, no, we need to start shedding layers, or everybody's going to have heat stroke and die in the car. Then by the time we get home, I was like, okay, we've gotten out, and I, I'm in shorts and a t-shirt, and <laughs> ready to go inside. See, what, <clears throat> whenever I drive from cold climates to warm climates, I get in the car, I turn on the heater, and then I shed whatever I can right then yeah. before I start driving and just get comfortable in the car and then don't worry about it. If I didn't have to make a hundred stops for children... Oh my god, I can't imagine. Three yeah. toddlers. 
And they all like the potty. Michelin men toddling I have to go up. potty. Yeah. I got to go potty. So go, I want to go potty, too. Yeah. But we just... I can... Oh, my God. I didn't have to go then. I have to go now. That was one exit ago. <laughs> all right. Let's get on with it. Uh, yes. Would you like to... As, since you are our honored guest, would you like to read the first email from Andreas in Sweden? Uh, is there a fee associated with being an honored guest? No, not yet. Okay. Then yes. I will be an honored guest and I will read Somebody asks if there's a fee, you always say, say yes. yes. <laughs> uh, by the way, Stu, I've noticed a theme here tonight. <clears throat> yeah. Spoilers. Secrets. <laughs> it's comic books. What, what did you think I meant? Oh. Uh-huh. <laughs> Go ahead. All right. A question about maps from Andreas from Sweden. Hey, Stu and the car lifters. That has got to be a typo. First off, I'd like to address the issue of Swedish listeners. No, we do not know. We do not all know each other, except some of us. I don't know what that means. Uh, hi, Jonas. Also, the guys who submitted the terrible horror story, you should totally go to a convention and meet some sensible gamers. I suggest Gothcon if you're in the southern part of Sweden. For the hosts, Gothenburg. Uh, not about goth culture. Damn it. Uh, <laughs> I would love to see an all crazy depressed goth role playing convention. On the other hand, Gothenburg would be awesome to like there's a bunch of Batman walking around. <laughs> a bunch of Commissioner Gordons. I am the knight. <laughs> no. I am the knight. No. 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 I am the knight. <laughs> he got one <laughs> he got one penguin and, and one fish mooney. Everybody Sorry. else is Batman. Yeah. Yeah. Now for the gushing part. I love the vampire AP. Great characters and so much juicy plot that there's no time to get bored. See, see vampires and question. Batman? Right. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> now for my question. Everyone who have even opened a book of epic fantasy knows that a defining characteristic of the genre are maps. So also with fantasy RPG campaigns. But I hear you ask, what do you use them for? I will outline two venues to approach a subject. The first is the big map of a country or region. <clears throat> what do you use that for? Does it matter if you say that the action takes place on the dot over there or just outside that smudge of green next to the mountains? If it's that large a scale, does it matter and what use is a map? The second is the city map. I guess we all own a few of those city source books that come with a map where there are hundreds of small buildings numbered and described. How do you use them? I've tried to plunk the map down and then narrated how the streets looked uh, while slowly moving my finger along a road while frantically checking the book so I describe all the numbered buildings correctly. It was slow and not very engaging. Another way of doing it is just to describe the typical fantasy city. But mention a few landmarks you see on that section of the map. Oh, wow, I totally butchered that pronunciation. I mean, uh, <laughs> punctuation. Uh, but in that case, do you really need all that data anyway? I'd love to hear how the hosts use maps in their games, both in larger and smaller scale. And if you have any tips on how to make, the, make them help the game and the immersion not just be a colorful piece of paper on the table, underneath the character sheets, dice and snacks. Drink. I'd love to. I finished. Cheers mine. to be done with German Irish beer. Yeah. <laughs> I need a refill. If you n- would be so kind. Sir. Yeah, and while, while you're in there. <clears throat> so I, I kind of want to make this our topic about maps, how you use them in the game, and how you keep them relevant. Well, I've discovered this about myself and maps. Okay. I love them so much so that when I start to make maps, I can't stop. <laughs> I made the world. <laughs> 
I made my city state and worked the borders, and then I made towns, and then each town had their own po- political structure, and then I went in and started making like the. And I I fell down the rabbit hole of making an entire world because I just wanted to build maps. I can't do maps. If I start making a map, I will end up making an entire world. So like, oh, I'll just make a map of this hamlet, and then well, the hamlet is just what the hell was that? That was uh, something texting me. Is the done. yeah? I was like, are the muffins done? What? No, I just got texted. I can't, uh, I, I really have decided I cannot make detail maps because I love to make them and I get caught up in the whole thing. Uh, and I have But what do you problem. do, with, when you make them, what do you do with them? I love to make them. You, do, you touch them and you <laughs> call them, them you, you call give them, them names yes, and you pet I, them and call them George? I didn't realize I had a map fetish, but I think I do. <laughs> I have a problem with them. See, I like... <clears throat> I made, for the vampire game, I, I, fe- I got a... Don't hit yourself. I, you're distracting me. I made a... <laughs> I'm sorry. I stabbed myself in the eye. It wasn't for your entertainment. <laughs> I know. But with the mic. But it was entertaining. <laughs> I, you okay? Yeah, I'm all right. All right. Uh, but for the vampire game, I, I got a big, large piece of cardstock that's black. And I bought some of those metallic Sharpies. And then I drew out the island that the party... That is the domain of the party in the vampire game. And here's the city, and here's the financial district or the commercial district. Here's the mountain range, and in here is where so-and-so's stuff is. And I've, and as they go to different places, I mark them on this map so they can see, okay, here's where the creepy woman with the magic book lives, and you know, here's where they found this body, and here's where they found this body. And the, the party, to, I don't know, do you guys use it? Well, not much. Not since we. Not since like the second or third episode, because we've just have gone off the map. Really, we ended up going off the island to another place. We came back, and we haven't really marked out where this, the the entrances and exits to the coves are. But it was very helpful in the start. Right. I will say this, though, Stu. You you also seem to love maps. I picked up from you with Ghostbusters when you handed us a map of downtown L.A. Right. And and the and the metro system that was the old downtown LA before the metro system. That, that's actually the old uh, trolley car uh, or whatever car, that thing. Yeah. It was the red awesome. Car th- it was system. totally yeah. awesome. Because I actually found a historic map from like 1920 uh-huh. or something like that that had that that whole thing. It had the routes on it and all the streets. So, but yeah, I, I I like having that's. I guess that's that's one of the problems with maps is you invest a bunch of time and okay, here's my map. And the first thing the players do when they see the map is they want to leave it. Well, let's go off this edge or <laughs> off that edge. And it's like, what? Didn't you not make like a giant city map where you could zoom all the way in, right? I did that for uh, a GURPS fantasy game I ran online and that I tried to use it on Roll20. It was enormous. It was like a gigabyte or it might have been bigger than that. It was huge. And it, you could look at, zoom it out and see the entire map of the city. And this is a big city, a couple hundred thousand people probably. And then you could zoom in on the map. And down to the level when you would start to see hexes come up, and each hex was one yard. So it was like GURP scale combat map. You could zoom into anywhere in the city. Now in that game, I kept the players in the city because the whole game was about different factions within the you know sort of crime world of the city fighting amongst each other. And they only left, I think, for this. We did like six or seven episodes or sessions, and I think they left for like two. 
But the rest of the time that they were there. And and it, it brings up that point again. It's like you invested all this time in the map. They're damn well better be in that fucking map, right? right. So you, you're describing... Well, they never even saw it because I couldn't upload it because it kept well, crashing. No, but you're time. looking at it and you're mapping them out on the map and explaining what each of the shops oh, yeah, are yeah. because you spent time on it. But do you think it was fun to the players? You can't... It, it, it can't take over... It needs to be a useful tool for the players. If the players have it, and I think it really should be on the table, so they can look at it. And if you ha- you have to have enough features on it, and it's like there are times when when it was relevant. When you go- in the first vampire game, you guys are working trying to figure out where all the murders are taking place, and I have it written down where they all are. So I can tell you, okay, on G Street over here, and I point, that's G Street. And so, and you've got pens too, so you make a mark on G Street, and then you can start, and you're looking to see if there's a pattern, and you guys actually using that figured out, you know, this guy must be coming from somewhere to do this, or I don't remember exactly how, how that all transpired. But you have to, you do have to work to make it relevant. You did the same with um, Inukai, and we use that map a lot more often. Um, when we did uh, the L5R game. Yes. Uh, we kind of needed it more, too, because we, we're in this weird valley. We were always constantly like, where is that city in comparison to the valley? Right. Where is, where, what, we're in a valley. Which mountain did they come from? West. We east? only have two days to get there. <laughs> we need to figure out where we have to go. Exactly. Right. Uh, and we were constantly referring to it in L5R, for sure. Yeah. And you, I know we were constantly expanding that as well, because you were like, oh, wow. It started uh, out with just the valley, yeah, with, with arrows pointing out to various areas, and then I just kind of sort of zoomed that map out. Here's the valley, here's the main city that you guys, Murasubishi Toshi, I think was the name of the city you guys kept going it's to. The, it's the place to stay. Murasubishi yes. Toshi. Every single and, time, that's the <laughs> only thing I could hear. And then there was the Inokai Bay over here that you guys would go and visit. And You know what? Maybe that's the best way to do maps. It's like you start out where they are. Like at the campsite, the town, the city, the inn, wherever they are, and then you zoom out from there as they go out. Yeah, I, I think I, I think I agree with that. Except I don't want to lock myself down to something because if 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 we're in a city and I've already given the players the, the main map, there's already sort of a. Is it me again? Yeah, and, and you know what? Every time I hear that ding, all I can think of is the opening note. Muffins. Your muffins are dead. All I think it's the opening note to a I, Sloop John D. I didn't. I'm being texted, but I, it's the same text over on the Sloop John. You got starts with that ding. But I, sorry, uh, z- uh, starting small and zooming out. Don't want to be locked in. Yeah. Right. If I'm if I'm starting in a city and I've already handed out like the world map to the players, the continent map or whatever, and then then they start talking about something like, oh, you know, it'd be very cool if there was like some island nation off the coast somewhere, but I've already given them the map, so I'm kind of locked into that. You know what I mean? So I, no. I, I I like to do them incrementally. Like for the Inukai game, here's the map of the valley with arrows pointing to where the different places are. And then much later on, when it became more relevant, I sat down and said, okay, here's where the Inukai Valley is. Here's the rest of the area around the Inukai Valley that you guys have been going to. And then I handed to you guys well, that map. that's what I was trying to say. You start incrementally and work out. I think I think that might be the best way... To, to, to do maps, right? It's like you start in the immediate area and spiral out, and maybe you, as the GM, have a an idea because I know you'd already set out the valley, but it was a circle with like a couple of mountains and where the city was, and then you hadn't filled it out from there. And if you think about it, uh, dungeon crawls have a long tradition of that. You start at the dungeon entrance, and if you're mapping as you go, the dungeon unfolds as you walk through it. 
right? Now, do you guys use a lot of uh, fog of war when you uh, do your maps? So covering over a map to hide it from the players and then revealing as you go along? Uh, Bill tried it not too long ago on something he was running, and he had lots of <laughs> sheets of torn paper. Yeah. Because he had drawn out the whole ship, and he draw, and he had lots of sheets of paper covering stuff, and it was very ah. So uh, don't look over here, pay no attention, and we're like okay, and and it just was. It's a clumsy, hard thing to really pull off. Uh, Digitally, it it might be very handy. Yes, that's yeah. where I was going have with you, that. Have you seen it in uh, Roll Twenty? I I don't know if it existed yeah. when I was playing with Roll Twenty. Uh, yeah, I, they have it now, and it's it's actually works pretty well. Oh really? Yeah, it's it's pretty cool. Oh. No. I have to give it another look. Can it take gigabyte maps yet? No. Uh, no. Nothing does. Because that would be so awesome. It's like, here's the map of the city. Now you're in combat on 4th Street. My my problem with like maps mm-hmm. tends to be that it seems like every game I'm in where, the, where everybody's given a big map, people are like, cool, here's a big map. What's over there? What's over here? Are we here or are we there? Are we fighting something next to this little forest or over here next to this little forest? Uh huh. And it doesn't fucking matter, right? Like it just like it takes up a lot of game time and it doesn't really add a lot. Okay. Unless it's relevant, right? Like uh, in the D and D game, the when we were doing our big journey. Hmm. That was important for us to know, because it was, okay, cool, we're going to load up a magic carpet and fly across weeks of desert, and we kind of need to know what's going on. That's totally important. But other than that, doesn't matter. Like, you know, we spent a lot of time talking about, was this over here? Was that over here? Was this over, you know? eh. This doesn't matter. Yeah, I always my brain always starts to shut down when that starts happening. I'm like, I don't know, just point in, me in the direction of some stuff. In relation to that, I do like a good terrain map. When when combat happens, I don't care where I'm at. I like something so I know where to hide. Or if it's a super game, I know where the car is to pick up to throw yeah. the dude. You know, the, now I, that's the combat level map. That is critically important. I I, I think so. Role playing. I mean, uh, Jib says, and, and probably rightly so, that once the map comes out, role playing stops because a lot of people just then devolves into tactics. But that's part of it. I think a good role player could do tactics and still role play. But I like to know, you know, if if they have the high ground. If I'm a Jedi game and they have the high ground, I want to make sure, you know, that oh, no. I'm not going to get my ass kicked. Jump in the lava. That's <laughs> right. a better death. I have the high ground. <laughs> Right, I, it, these are important. So, so, so terrain maps when you're having combat can be very. It can it can change, dude. It can change the game, right? A you plus can be, one yeah, ledge. It could be four Sith and one Jedi, and he's got the high ground. He can kill y'all. <laughs> uh, it's plus plus ten ledge. Yeah. So I mean, I, I I love the I love a little terrain map or, or just I mean I think Bill said it best when we were doing the fairy game the the freak show in the fairy world. He goes. 
just give us some terrain so so we know you know what to what's there and i'm like oh that's fair mm-hmm. it, it's very fair because you want to know what you can use where you can sure. hide what uh it, what obstacles are so that you're if you're in cover half cover where you can you sneak around. Try to run someplace and, and yeah and it's not all about tactics <clears throat> but yes there might be some tactics rather than just saying i charge at him and get shot why don't you like hide behind the car and you know sneak up there's all sorts of stuff that you can bring into and i think that's a fair use of maps for me and it, but it is kind of on the micro scale. i kind of like the way that the new star wars game uses maps i haven't used any of them yet uh but they give you like this map of the, the in one of them the, this base <clears throat> and it's, it doesn't really matter where your character is on the map it matters what area you were in because it you know it, it <clears throat> i didn't read the scenario but it, it seems like it kind of assumes that you're going to split up and it's like well i'm going to go check over here and i'm going to go over here so when a fight starts okay you're counter is here in this room and here are three stormtroopers who are now fighting you so you know now these people hear hear blaster fire and have to make their way over there so you kind of have you, you can at least gauge an idea of how long it's going to take them to get there well, before they can actually engage in the in the new star wars game they also do range increments like yeah it's like it's like traveler far medium right. close you know so that makes sense yeah yeah, it's not this like... This stormtrooper is far! <laughs> this stormtrooper is close! <laughs> this stormtrooper is close! <laughs> oh my god. Um. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Checks in the mail. Oh. Now, was it Grover or Yoda? Which one was that? That was Grover. <laughs> yes, it was. That's Thank you. Sesame Street. <laughs> You had syntax. Now, you, now, for your games at the table, do you guys use uh, like butcher block or uh, paper or dry erase to do quick maps on the fly, uh, just in case a combat springs up? What er- yes. I use a wet erase map. Yeah. I've been using the one from Easy Roller Dice, EasyRollerDice.com, um, but I also have a <laughs> I have a, two of the huge Chessex ones as well. Yeah, I, I love using those things because I can draw whatever I want, and I just I, th- I think I mentioned I have a problem with maps. So I buy a bunch of those like pre-made like tavern maps, city maps, city block maps, city, and I have a stack of them with me. And when the last game that we ran, they went someplace they didn't expect, and they said, "Do you have someplace?" I'm like, "Yes, yes, I do." And I had happened to like buy like a city street map or something, or it was a it was like a vineyard map, and I dropped mm-hmm. it down, and they were like, "Nice." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that stuff, it, it seems it, that? it seems it, it kind of adds some flavor. If it's a well-drawn yeah. thing. Absolutely. I mean, me with my Sharpie, or hopefully not a Sharpie on my wet erase <laughs> map, <laughs> that never looks good. And I repurpose <laughs> them. Like, the, the the field with the with the monoliths in it becomes an abandoned field in a modern-day setting or becomes a farm uh, as well. I just, I just, you know, oh, it's open grassland with a tree. Here we go. Right. Well, like, uh, Stork bought a couple of map sets on DriveThruRPG, that we used for some of our con games. And you just print them out on an inkjet? Or? And the cool one that he found was like a... A spaceship. Bless like you. A, no, like a 1920s town Oh, yeah, that one. Yes. Map. Oh, cool. So it had, like, it came with a bunch of different buildings and, the like, the street around them and some little cars that you could print out and cut out and put on the map and... Stuff like that. It was really neat. But the part that I loved about it was it gave you the street view 
And then it gave you a building that had the whole interior mapped out and art and everything. But then they let you print out a roof. It's almost Fog of War-ish. Almost. So you could have the roof on the building, and then I would just tape one side... And if people decided to go into the building in the game, I could just go and, and flip, flip it up open, like right. a pop-up book. And, and then there's walls and doors. There was and walls everything. and stuff inside for them to interact with. And there's all the people. And I and I <laughs> downloaded open the doors and there's all the people. I I downloaded or I got a like a spaceship um, like mm-hmm. map kind of thing. And I've used it five times. At, well, not five, maybe three times. I used it mm-hmm. as as a lair for Grendel. And I used it as a spaceship. And I used it. We used it in the, in the Cthulhu game yeah, as yeah. well as like a laboratory. So. Again, I, I repurpose them all the time, but I, I do say I have a problem. So, I okay, love well, me the maps. Nice. Walt, well, do you have anything to say? We've been, we've been uh, talking and talking here. How about, <laughs> what do you think about maps? Uh, I, I, really, uh, I really enjoyed the tactical aspects of games, and, and although um, you know, I know the, uh, the prevailing uh, idea is once the, you know, once the maps come out, the role-playing starts, uh, I, I love role-playing in the midst of combat. Um, just because it, uh, I think you have that that heightened sense of urgency that can really bring out a uh, you know a character from a player, and doing that on a map is is it just gives you that that like you were saying earlier that tactile sense of uh, what that map brings to the table. Like uh, if you have to throw that car in the superhero game, if you if you're dodging from stormtrooper fire, that isn't going to hit you anyway. And uh, <laughs> you, know, you slide right behind a car. I mean, a, a hover bike or something like that. But um, I know uh, one of the GMs that I'm fortunate enough to uh, to game under periodically um, was a big time war gamer in the past. And what he'll do is put out a piece of butcher block, draw the actual terrain uh, uh, diagram of where you're limited to go or what you're uh, what you have around you, and then he'll actually have set terrain pieces that will go on top of the butcher block to you know augment it. And you know oh, when nice. you're playing like um, uh, Warhammer 40k, the, uh, um, the the one with all the Inquisitors, um, you know when you're when you're tracking down a heretic and you have to go up this giant dais to you know confront this heretical you know space marine or whatever, and you actually have your little minis on a dais this guy has meticulously constructed that's a game you're going to remember you know oh, yeah, um, absolutely. because you, you you're going to have those set pieces there um i think one of the great things about maps um is they tie you back to a time when you can actually say i was having a great time in this game and this is all the places that we went and you, you see sometimes uh you know you go to a guy's house and you're gonna go you're gonna game and everybody gets together and you look up on the wall and here's this map of this like fantasy kingdom and like all these spots with like two swords crossed or like a shield you know almost like somebody had like a red stamp and did it on the map and you're like oh what's this oh man this was the greatest fantasy game ever we went to all these places and then when the campaign ended and blah blah blah, i kept the map you know i mean <laughs> stuff like that is you know you you, you you're like oh dude yeah uh, you want a dollar i mean you know it's cool but uh <laughs> the uh you, Nobody can ever take away from that person the sense of accomplishment that they have every time they look at that wall. So, I mean, uh, things like that are, are a lot of fun in, in how a map works. Um, I love maps in uh, the digital atmosphere now. Uh, I know some guys who will game at the table and run Roll20 right at the table and can do um, uh, digital uh, 
uh, what do you call it, digital counters for all the characters and enemies and stuff. And even though they have everybody playing around the table, rather than a map where they have to throw real minis and whatnot on the map, they'll just open up a big laptop or a big giant tablet, put everything uh, down in roll 20, and then do the map right at the table. And you have that, uh, you know, you can scan for maps all throughout roll 20. So uh, you can get very detailed maps right digitally right at your table or, you know, even if you're doing an online game. So I, I really enjoy maps. I like, I like the, uh, the feel of them. I like, you know, when a player says to me, because uh, we do actual plays as well, and I love when a player will sit there and go, what, what is that? What, what's that over there? Is, is, is that a drain pipe? Can, can, I, can I get down that? You know, and you get that sense of excitement of them looking at the terrain and saying, can I use this to my advantage to beat the crap out of somebody and be legendary? Right. You know, that kind of stuff is really cool. Uh, okay, I'll play devil's advocate for a bit here. Um, I don't know if you guys ever read fantasy novels, but a lot of them have maps in the front. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Have yeah. any of you ever looked at them? Yeah. Like, like, like during the, like, when you read the I book, go, you go, go back and, I, the, the Hobbit, we go back and reference it. Where is he on the map now? Oh, Would you? The, ab- absolutely. I've been reading a bunch of books that have maps, and I never look at them. I always do. Always. Okay, so you're, you're the only one I think I've met that does that, because for the most part, I just gloss over it. I'm like, I don't really care. Where's the rest of the plot? Oh, great. Which is odd, because I, I like maps. Do. You know, the, this kind of has nothing to do with this. I'm reading the Jack, was it Jack Campbell series, uh, Lost the Fleet? Fleet, st- yeah. He puts, the, I guess, the order of battle of all of the ships in his fleet at the front of every book. Did you know that? No. I don't yes. even know what you're talking about. I don't even know what series books you're uh, it's a, it's science I read fic- like four or five of them. I haven't... Oh, I'm, I'm reading the latest one right now. Um, I like it. Uh, he, he basically is an admiral of a, a giant space fleet. And we're talking a huge fleet that's probably got 12 battleship groups... And okay. there's a, a bunch of heavy cruisers and battle cruisers and light cruisers yeah. and destroyers. The ships of the wall and all of that. Dozens and Huge, dozens I mean, of ships, yeah. Hundreds of ships. Yeah, yeah. Right, I'm reading Honor Harrington, and it's the same kind of thing. But in the beginning of it, he lists out, okay, the first battleship group is made up of these ships and these heavy cruisers and these light cruisers and these battle cruisers and these uh, destroyers. And then the second group is made up of and it's in lists the names of all the ships i'm like the only thing i've noticed is as you go farther and farther through the series that list gets shorter and shorter (laughs) spoilers but uh, that i don't get because that doesn't mean anything to me i mean oh the manticore blew up and oh yes uh the sphinx's mother also blew up and oh yeah i'm like yeah but maps i always go back and look at them I, especially like Hobbit and Lord of the you Rings. Too, you too, Dave? You do? No, I, I I generally peruse it at the beginning, yeah. and then I'll read the book. And then at the end, I might go back and be like, okay, where let me see what? where right. my mind matched up with, you know, that kind of deal. Walt, what about you? I look at them, and then uh, pretty much later, I won't really touch on it until I get to the end of the book. And then yeah. look back on it and be like, wow, those dudes had to walk a lot. <laughs> I'm left they could have saved so much effort if they, they just called those eagles earlier. Eagles. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Nobody told us we had those. Okay, speaking of plot holes, <laughs> I finished Jessica Jones. Yeah. Oh, okay. Two words. Actually, it's one word. Earplugs. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> yeah. It, it took about seven episodes for me to go, why the fuck doesn't she just put, on ear, put in earplugs? Or just hand them out to all of her friends. 
Well, because they here's the trick: you can't get everybody to wear them. No, you can't get everyone to wear them, but you could have a group of people that you can have help you that you might but, be able to depend on. But the on. way they explained his power, it's not just not in the not in the oral. No, no, no. But it, even still, his power was more not about how much he could directly affect that little group, but more about the fact that like. He walked down the street earlier, and he told the guy that sells newspapers on the corner that if something bad happens to him... Oh, no, I get that. He should murder himself. I get that, but he he also was able to like set up a bunch of people as the story progressed that he would not have been able to if she reached into her pocket and pulled out a handful of earplugs and said, put these in, or... Turn your eye in the last spoilers. Put your put your iPod earbuds in and turn the fucker all the way up. Yeah. If you now, can't, do you think she would? Do you think Jessica Jones would have been more successful if she had used a map? Yes, <laughs> I think so. I couldn't tell where anything was. They should have at the beginning of every episode. They should have shown a map of the city. You're you're from New York. Hell's <laughs> Kitchen isn't that big, right? How how lost can you get? Uh, you'd be surprised. Okay. You'd, you'd be surprised. I mean, uh, it's not like Boston, uh, you know. Um, Boston, you great- I've got a map for Boston because we did. I did a show in, or I did a game in Boston. It's a. It, that's a mess. Right. I mean, if you look at New York, everything's everything's logically gridded out. Yeah. So that if somebody said, "Hey, go to Twenty Second, cut over to Elm," you know, you'd know exactly where to go and how to get there. Uh, but there's this is great meme. Um, they have a map of New York and a map of Boston on top of each other. And it says, New York, logically laid out for the citizens. And then underneath it says, Boston, fuck you. <laughs> it is. <laughs> well, not only, not only was Boston like based on like goat paths when they first started, but it was also originally an island that they then filled it with garbage and then they put roads and stuff on top of that. So, I mean, the place, it's a, and I remember going to Boston on a car tour and there is an on-ramp, and anybody in Boston will not argue this, there's an on-ramp that is down a blind alley. You're driving by dumpsters and shit and it goes right onto the freeway. Because they had to add this on-ramp. Because they added the freeways, like, through town. Right. Uh, well, that's, freeways that's, that's like the 110. Yeah, it's sim- it's similar, except that you're not down a one-way alley, with, like, in, like, in the middle of the meatpacking district. Eight simmering lanes. <laughs> <laughs> they, we, took, they blew up Toontown to put in the 110, goddammit. We have a... We ha- yeah, the 110 freeway, which which is, I think, the oldest free lo- freeway in California, I, at least. Maybe. I think in the it's nation. The in the world. It in is the world. oldest freeway in the world. It has on ramps. This b- built back in the buggy days, right? Because because there was Pasadena and there, and there was Alver- Alvaro Street, and that was it. There was right. in between was just like orange groves. So they they didn't think about it, and they the cars didn't go very fast. So these on ramps are like. Fifteen feet long, uh, and there's a stop sign at the end. You don't. You're not into hyperbole either. You are not kidding. They're like you got like you got to go from zero to sixty in about thirty feet, maybe, (laughs) maybe thirty feet. Yeah, and 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 the traffic there is going fifty five miles an hour, Uh, and and there's a stop sign. You have to stop around a gnarly turn. Oh yeah, if you're in Highland Park trying to make that, I hate that freeway. Yeah. Anyway, that's very. It's like a log flume. It's very LA specific. Yeah. Yeah. If you go look up oldest freeway in the world, uh, the one that will pop up. Yeah. What's the stupidest freeway in the world? Well, remember they didn't. (laughs) It follows the contours of the land. I know. You know, they want to cut through mountains. Nope. They should have. I'm going to go on to the second email. Oh right, we have we have things to do. Thank you very much, there, Andreas. Andreas in Sweden. I think it's Andreas. Andreas. A letter from Jonas Larson from Sweden. Again, dear Happy Jacks. Last week, you wondered if all your Swedish listeners knew each (laughs) other. (laughs) 
We don't. But I personally happen to know a lot of them, like Andreas, John, and Simon. But that's because I'm a creepy stalker, and you should not be seen as a science and should not be seen as scientific proof of any kind. It's a conspiracy. It's uh, a trap. It is. It's a trap. Uh, I don't know Nicholas. That's Nicholas from Sweden, who's from the, the guy that wrote the, the horrific email. Right about him and his sister wanting to play an online yeah. game and they oh, the roll twenty dudes with the, with yeah. the flashers. Yeah, no, it was right. more than flashing. Right, That's... it was gross. It, it, uh, I don't, I don't know Nicholas from last week. I think unless he's a stalker too, we have our own club. But I would like to talk about his letter where he told you that it's hard to find players over here. I would like to disagree. Oh, see, calling you out. Sweden has a large quota of role players compared to other countries, but it's, of course, different depending on what part of the country you live in. If you live in the wastelands up in the northern part of Sweden, you'll have a hard time finding other gamers. The only thing you'll find up there are real murder hobos, gigantic bearded men driving around on their tractors with a ball of snuff in their left pocket and their dick in the right. You know all I can think of when I see that? <laughs> troll! <laughs> it's a troll That's hunter. not Sweden, though. Is no, it? it's Norway. It's, okay. just, it's, it's, it, it's above the Arctic Circle at that point, and it's just bleak. Okay. Uh, I can also... It can also be kind of hard to find players in Stockholm, Sweden's capital. It is a dull place for hip and cool people that light their cigarettes. With, it, it is... Oh, I'm sorry. It's, it is a dull place for hip and cool people who like to write light their cigarettes with dollar bills. Do you use dollar bills? Don't you have a, your own money that you could buy? That's, that's why they use dollar bills. Yeah, because they light it with a corona. They're like, right. yeah, yeah, we don't use our own money. We get that American money and that's that shit. Yeah, fuck that. What's the what's the uh, exchange rate? Is it like penny? Is like do- are dollars like pennies? Four there? cigarettes. Two, two one dollar. That's what I was going to say. Four packs to a buck. Right. Um, the nerd mecca... Of Sweden is Gothenburg. Oh, there Wait you go. Wait a moment. Did, was that not mentioned before? Yeah, but they know each other. Uh, the oh. second biggest city. It's here that we have the biggest game conventions, steampunk bars. Steampunk bars? I, I want a steampunk bar. You knew that. It could only happen in Sweden. No, 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 no. You know the bar that I want to go to is that creepy H.R. Geiger bar in Switzerland. H.R. Geiger bar. H.R. Geiger is the guy that designed the alien from Aliens. Oh, okay. All right. And there's a bar that looks like it's all made out of the alien parts and shit in Switzerland. There was something wrong with him anyway. So it's like creepy, creepy, slimy. Yeah. Like... And half naked women that turn into like machines, and it's bioorganics. Yeah. No. And, yeah. yeah, I think that bar looks rad. I'd check it out. It sounds. There's a lot of phalluses in to- stools. In <laughs> yes, I'm I would sure. sit on a giant dick stool. <laughs> <laughs> wow, this went left. Yeah, it did. <laughs> Dave, I, I never. I thought I. It's knew here you. that we have the biggest game convention, steampunk bars, and Damn other cool it, stuff. Damn it! Turn who it is, off. Who is texting me? Turn it off. I. I can't. Oh. Airplane mode. But it's not this. It's going through oh. your iPad. It's not my iPad. Oh, it's through your... I don't think it's my iPad. I think it's the <laughs> app in my, my freaking Mac. Well, All right. It's a, yeah. it's a Glockenspiel. Because it's from it's Sweden. A, it's a Glockenspiel. Um, uh, it's also kind of hard. Uh, Steampunk and other cool stuff. So I don't disagree with Nicholas. You only need to dangle a piece of chicken leg on a string out of your windows to have potential gamers howling at your door. 
at least where I live. And I actually have a question concerning this topic. I know, I know many gamers who want to game with me and don't know what to do. Uh, hey. I, I've been a prisoner in my close friend Simon's campaign for a while. But I'm soon ready to start my own D&D 5e campaign. I would prefer, after your recommendations, uh, a group consisting of only four players. Agreed. Uh, the problem is that my close circle of gaming friends consists of seven people. Some are Simon's current Savage Worlds campaign. Uh, excuse me. Uh, some are from my old D&D campaign I ran about two years ago. Excuse Stork. Three of the seven people fit in both categories. Attending both my old campaign and the current Savage Worlds ones. I know what you're going to say. I need to put on my pants. Asterisk. How do you know I listen to the podcast with pants? It's uncanny. Oh, without pants. Oh. Okay. Oh, yeah, I messed up his joke. How do you know I listen to the podcast without pants? It's uncanny. What okay. is it about Sweden and not wearing pants while, while What the online? fuck is wrong with you people? <laughs> I thought that was Germany. That guy uh, was oh, right. not in Sweden. He just played with the Swedish girl and her brother. <laughs> and have a grown-up talk with them. But I would like, still like some advice on how to handle a situation better. <clears throat> situation in the best way possible. Thanks for being an awesome podcast, Jonas Larson. And that's that. So he's got seven people in his circle of, of role-playing buddies. You know what? You run a game every week. You got four players in a game and three players in another game. They only come every other week. Oh, and then at some point combine them into a big... Combine them into a big final battle or... go. Or don't. Or just run two different games. Take a a tip from Stu. Stu is running two games right now. A vampire game, Mm -hmm. whenever it can meet, and his 5e game, Mm -hmm. whenever it can meet. And the players are not the same. No, there's a no. cup, a little bit of, a little is bit there, of crossover. Oh, Kimmy, Kimmy is the Kimmy crossover point. Yeah. yeah, and and they're fine. And you've got so that's a total of eight players, right? It's five in one game and four in the other. It's nine. nine. That's nine. Eight. Yeah, eight players. Yeah, <laughs> right. Five that's a much better idea nine. than what I would suggest. I would suggest putting a dual pistol down in the dual <laughs> pistols down in the middle. Do you want to play my game? Who can bring me the most beer? <laughs> I shall sit on my throne of drunken judgment. <laughs> it means more no. work for Jonas, though. That means he has to do what Stu does, which is... Run two games. Run two games. But you do yeah. two completely different systems, so it's two different muscles. It makes it a little easier. And they're two totally different games. Completely. Which, which can be an advantage. Because... Uh, you know, running a game that's the same every week, every week. You burned out. It can burn yeah. you, you out. Uh, but running two different groups of people on two different things that you're interested in might be fun. Mm-hmm. I know uh, Rembrandt, back in the day when he was do- had his studio running, I knew him personally. I'm that old. <laughs> uh, he would work on multiple paintings at a time. He would work on one painting, and then he would have an assistant start, and he'd go off and do another one. Because it sort of kept it fresh, and he would go around between. He'd have like eight or nine paintings working. Really? And a lot of artists do that. Uh, Comic book artists don't have that luxury because they have crushing deadlines with unreasonable people, and they just have to plow through it. But a lot of artists will work on multiple things at the same time. When I'm working on my job, I will 
I'll oh, work on something on this. While that's drying, I'll go set up this. And while that's doing, I'll, I'll, I'll mix up something for that. And then I'll come back to this again. So you're, you, it's like cooking. You know, you want to make sure that the rice is done with the chicken and everything. So you want to keep a bunch of things going at the same time. Right. And it, it's that's the business of it, but it does keep it fresh. If you just have to go step by step by step every time it gets old and boring and Absolutely. you're only working on one thing, <clears throat> by working on multiple things different times it keeps your mind fresh it keeps you i mean the vampire game and the D game couldn't be different and couldn't be any more different and you get a lot out of them and they it flexes different muscles mm-hmm. yeah absolutely yeah I i'm not sure where the cooking analogy fits into that i just i got my, i got lost in my analogy no i it, it's <laughs> it, it's a mad scramble usually usually the day before a game i will sit down and say okay what interesting thing is going to happen in the next game if yeah. if anything if anything <clears throat> a lot of times it's like, okay, the players are have the reins right now. I'm going to let them do what they want. And then sometimes I'll, I will decide, yeah, I better come up with some sort of shocking thing. Or if running a game every week is a little too much work, talk to a player from one game to be a co-GM for the other game. Oh, there and you a go. player from that <clears throat> game to be a co-GM for, you know. Then you are then you got a, a group of six players. Which is yeah. totally manageable. I mean, it, uh, to, for me, kind of on the high side, but manageable. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Was that your phone? This whole Might time? have been. I heard a beep. Mm, fucker. You were blaming me. <laughs> no, my phone doesn't make all of those sounds. It just doesn't. Remember, my, phone is like- my phone just stimulates my nipple. <laughs> it's hot. I really I, oh, not sp- Speaking of stimulated nipples, uh, I was watching... Um, uh, Blades of Glory again. Ah. This is my fifth feeling. Oh, it's it's you. I never answered it. That's why it's beeping. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you're not here an hour early. What's wrong with you? <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much, Jonas Larson from Sweden. Who would like yeah. to read the next email? You want to? Uh, I got it. Too. All right, go. Uh, tour groups from Nicholas in Sweden. All right, so. <laughs> One, we had okay. Two, we I, had Walt. I, I, I no, Walt, you're Walt. We had we had uh, Andreas. It's Andreas only it's only the Jonas. Three. Jonas. I tried to Nicholas. do an all Swedish episode. There weren't enough emails, but uh, there probably will be next time. Get to work, Swedes. <laughs> and <laughs> more emails, more. <laughs> and, and that 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 transfers. <laughs> Sweden. Uh, it's uh, it's uh, translates very well here into this. It's a, what do they call it? a segue? Note on beautiful Swedes: the Vikings didn't bring back ugly ones. They didn't <laughs> bring back the ugly <laughs> ones. Yes, I know. I'm gonna have a feeling when I may have to translate a bit on the fly here because yes. English is not his first language. Hey, host Stubby Doo and the mystery crew. A Scooby Doo reference for those of you who Stubby Doo. Is it Stubby Doo? It is Stubby Doo. Yeah, it's Stubby. Stubby do that would be two bees, thank you, or not two bees. That that is the is the question. To Stubby do, it's a Scooby Doo reference to the age who hasn't played Call of Cthulhu. I'd love to hear how you tackle an issue of mine. When a GM summons us for a game, most players have some ideas of what to play, especially in grim fantasy where concepts of good and evil are somewhat blurred. Groups may be torn. Our two latest campaigns died due to this. Dracha of Demonar. Dilemma. Dwarves and trolls, that are almost the same, are fighting. Half, pa- half the party dislikes dwarves. Other half hates trolls. What side do we jump in on? Solution? One combat monster single-handedly killed all the trolls. <laughs> Slaying tro- saying trolls are evil. Dwarves are not. 
Rest, stand idly by. L5R, dilemma. One of six kids may be possessed. We might find out who by torturing them. Only half of us is okay with torturing kids. Discussion, <laughs> not in character, is going nowhere. Solution. After a while, one player lost interest and suggests a uh, rock, paper, scissors. <laughs> Still not a word on the matter said in character. He lost and switched sides. I suggested setting apart time to colla- uh, for collaborative character creation in person over the internet. In person or over the internet. That was my bad. Uh, the counter arguments have been can't we just play the game or that won't matter that won't matter in this game or giving away the flavor of the game will spoil the surprise which I'm not sure is a valid argument at all it isn't at all yeah Yeah. you want to pause there and talk about that yeah no no, that's the end of the email the next email is from someone else oh there is a fourth one from there yeah bam I was able to do it yeah uh I, I personally don't mind if people make characters that conflict with each other, yeah, but you have you to love that. I do, and and but we also have a group of players who don't mind losing. Yes, so you can have a conflict between characters in a game and have it resolve where one side loses, but that the story will still progress, the characters will still continue. And no one's going to get butt hurt by the fact that mm, start like force my character to do something my character wouldn't do, and I'm pissed off about it. So I'm not gonna Boba Fett. Boba Fett. <laughs> <laughs> but if you don't have that kind of a group, I would tell them you need to sit down and say, "Okay, you're all playing samurai. You're all playing samurai from the same clan." You've all got the same boss, and start it from that point of view because you're th- then inner party conflict is going to be very rare. That's that we've done that with the freak show. I've just decided you guys all know each other. You've all worked together before. Case pearl because we just don't have time for them to sp- spend the entire four hours right. arguing with each other. Yeah, it's a con game, but it's also just here. You guys. You guys have, all, have teamed up before. You always get along. So mm-hmm. so spend more time on the story and less time fighting amongst yourselves. Um, I'm actually wondering about the age of these of these players because it sounds like you got a lot of like rage quitting going on. You know, in one instance, it was like, well, screw it, and then let's just all kill the trolls. And in the other instance, it's, oh, guys, and then they flip a coin. So, I mean... What kind of age are we dealing with? I mean, well, I don't know. But you know what, though? I'll, okay, I'll play devil's advocate. I spend all day dealing with unreasonable people, and when I have my free time, I don't want to get in a game and pretend to be uh, dealing with unreasonable people. That's not fun to me. I just spend all day doing that. Sometimes I just want to kill shit. Maybe I want to solve a puzzle. Maybe I just want to kick back and be taken on a ride by a bunch of people and find out what the GM has planned. I want to meet this big bad. I want to solve a couple of riddles. I want to meet some interesting NPCs. But I don't want to spend the time fighting. I just spend all day doing that. That was my job. Yeah, but when you're 14 and you don't have a job, (laughs) (laughs) maybe fighting is more interesting. And maybe the role-playing group is the place where you can fight and win. Yeah. Ah. Like, I'm married. I don't need to negotiate shit. That's, that happens every dinner night. <laughs> you know, that's just like uh, <laughs> your opinion, man. <laughs> what do you want for dinner? I don't care. Well, you do care because if I make this, no, you no, I, I, mean, I don't want that. I don't want that. 
Yeah. Where do you want to? Let's go out for dinner. Where do you want to go? I've How just taken the the naming the places she doesn't want. <laughs> That's it. I'm going to go to the role playing game. Like, Bye. So you get to the role playing game. So we go to the tavern. Well, I don't want to go to the tavern. What are you going to do? Oh my god! I just left this. <laughs> like my wife, for some reason, doesn't like In and Out Burger. <clears throat> right? Just not her deal. She's okay with the burger, but she hates the fries so much. Oh, she, the fries are cooked in peanut oil. No, they're not. I thought they were. No. It, Did they, were they used to be cooked in yes. peanut oil? Okay, all right. But she hates the fries so much that it turns her off to the whole place. And every time it starts down that path of, well, where do you want to go? Do you want to get something quick? Okay, all right, where do you want to go? I'm always like, let's go to In-N-Out. <laughs> And she goes, no. And I'm like, well, you didn't like my idea, so where's your idea? Aha! Aha! <laughs> so you are Zoro. <laughs> so it's dedicated. You set yourself Yes. So anyway, I mean, I, I, I get the whole party conflict thing, but sometimes I'm like, oh, I don't want to spend the whole game fighting. I just yeah. want to kill some shit because I had a shitty day. I don't want to yeah. fight with you. Honestly, though, like the the part here that makes me sad is the fact that they had this giant argument out of character. I know. I'm like, if if the party's going to get into it and all be in character and arguing from the point of their character, like, no, I will not condone torturing children because I was an orphan and well, I, I was beaten a as a child. You know what? Like whatever reason, cool. Like, I love that stuff. Sure. That's awesome. But if the party's just going to break and be like, no, man, wait, I don't want to beat up kids. That's stupid. Boo. That's I hate that. That's useless to me. Well, and and boo, too, because you put them in a position where they actually have to torture children for information. I mean, that's yeah, like... Yeah, that's not that's a good kind of, GM cool. angle. Right, at this point, you're... Although they... You, it, you got these are dark, dark Swedes and Gothenburg. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Torturing Bru- kids was the sunny Sunday activity. <laughs> Bruce Wayne was a tortured kid himself. Tortured children, then bingo. Yeah. <laughs> As they sit around the table in their Batman cowls. <laughs> I am the knight. Um, so I, I think he's. They've got to sit down. The GM has to. And yeah. this whole thing about spoiling the surprise. Tell your GM that never works, and it's never as impressive as the gm thinks it's going to be i know this from experience you come up with this cool idea for a game and like and then after the second session this is going to happen and it's going to be awesome it's never that awesome it just isn't Uh, and collaborative character creation doesn't spoil the game it actually gives the gm stuff to make your game more interesting right it doesn't spoil it at all all of a sudden, your brother who died in the womb comes back as a leich, or lich, or leish, or however you want to pronounce it. How do you pronounce it? I pronounce it lich. Lich. I don't care uh, how it's supposed to be pronounced. <laughs> <laughs> so the brother who died in the womb comes back as a lich, right? That's so much more interesting. That was just a toss-away paragraph you had in your backstory. Aha! Aha! But because we did character creation together, I now have stuff I can use. Right. Well, and <clears throat> the GM doesn't have to be like, okay, guys. Here are all the things that are going to happen in my story. (laughs) So make a character that can deal with all of these things. No, no, that's not the right idea. It's have the GM sitting there when people make characters so that everybody's on the same page. Mm -hmm. Not 
like, okay, tell me the whole story, and I'll make the character that's going to win. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, you're, not, you're not Deadpool here. Yeah, like, how many times have you ended up making the, like, okay, I'm going to make the Woodland Ranger, and he's going to be super good at tracking, and he's going to have a wolf companion, and he's going to be awesome with I the bow. I made that character. And then, guess what? You get into the game... Fuck you. You're playing in New York City. Yep. Right. <laughs> Damn straight. You can track homeless people from Central Park West to down Broadway. And your wolf gets <laughs> captured and you spend the whole time yeah. trying to get it out of the pound. And some other guy ate the wolf. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> there you that go. Was one of my favorite games. Thank you, Nicholas. My wolf character ranger. Yeah. How did how'd you know that? Cause Okay, Dave, <laughs> go. Yes. <clears throat> Messing with death mechanics from Tommy from Sweden. Hi, Tommy. Are you one of the people that the other guy knows? Did anybody? I don't think so. I don't. I I don't think he was. Andreas, John, and Simon. No. No. Hey, Tommy. You should make friends with Nicholas and start a counter Swedish movement. Right. (laughs) A counterculture role playing. Yes. Subculture. Bork, bork, and hello. Um. Halo? Haleo? Hello? Hello! This is Tommy from cold freaking Sweden mailing you all. See? He didn't he knows, use contractions. He knows the lingo. He was trying to do a southern thing, but right. he was he's like data. He can't use contractions. <laughs> so it's ya all. It's not bad, though. Yeah. Come on. No, yeah. it's awesome. Yeah. Uh, I'm a long time... Southern Swedish accent? <laughs> Lots of countries have a south. <laughs> That's an interesting combo. Yes. Swedish yeah. cowboy? Yeah, come on, let's do this. <laughs> Wait a minute. That was in The Quick and the Dead. Like, one of the one of the guys they hired was, like, this Swedish marksman. Was he? Yeah. But did he sound like a cowboy, or did he sound like a Swede? I'm trying to remember. But I believe he sure was, like, a Swedish marksman. Bork, bork, bang! <laughs> I remember he had like the ball and cap thing where he had to, like you put the thing you put the powder in you put the, in the other in, anyway. Oh really? <laughs> I'm gonna have to go look up the Swedish. How could you be a marksman with a fucking butt muzzle? Do you guys in? remember the Quick and the Dead? The movie? It was yes, Sam Raimi. And I, I vaguely, vaguely remember yeah. it. Right. Yeah. Uh, I'm a long time lurker slash listener. First time mailing you. Uh, first of all, I'm terrible. Sorry for the English nightmare of grammatics that will be this email. <laughs> Hey, man, you know what? That's better than I could do in Swedish, so rock on. Uh, I'm sorry to put you through it, so you might need to take a drink. Yay! Secondly, take another drink. I just killed it. Yeah, I'm out of... There's nothing in there you want to drink. I'll drink the warm blonde ale on top. Uh, Nothing like a good warm blonde on top. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Right, baby. Yes. It never turns out like you think it will. Your though. whole fridge is stocked <laughs> with stout or like Red's apple ale. So sorry. Uh, I have to purge blah, the blah, refrigerator. Blah. It's filled with things I won't drink. Yeah, people came at parties and left you with presents that you, you don't like. You have to invite Tyler and the girls over, and they'll drink like all the ciders. <laughs> <laughs> Tyler so, and the Tyler girls. and other girls. Over. Tyler and the girls. <laughs> oh, Tyler's going to be on the show. Is he? Yeah. Oh, good. Well, He'll he drink that up himself. Uh, him I'm trying to think what day that he's going to be on on the January 1st. Yeah. I think January 1st is going to yeah. be on. The Rose Parade and Tyler coming back to the show. Woo-hoo. Maybe we'll do a Rose Parade simulcast on Google+. Plus Because oh. that'll be huge. 
Actually, that would be kind of fun to do like a I drunken drunken dude commentary on the Rose Parade. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like one thirty where he's he's like, I can't believe I signed up for this. We <laughs> because we're in Pasadena, live what? from Pasadena. The Happy Jack Sixth Annual Rose Parade. Do Woo! not make me park in your neighborhood during the Rose Parade, for God's sakes! I don't want to. We can't. There, no, we won't. do you park in the driveway? Uh, one car. One car. Dude. Carpool. <laughs> park at Stork's house. I can and walk. Then it's walk. And no, you guys park oh, at Stork's oh, house oh. and then carpool here. Yeah, we'll should see. totally do that. Awesome. Yeah, you don't want to try to park around here. Man. I'll do a I'll do a phone in Google Plus commentary. Yeah, we'll all just be, <laughs> be fine. So we'll put a TV on. We'll watch the Rose Parade. Right, right. it'll we'll just say, be on, and then I'll be talking on the microphone. And there's the Monsanto float. And it's made of flowers. It's spraying the crowd with something. <laughs> I don't know what's happening. Oh, the humanity. Oh, the Monsanto It's all the live plants from, from, from like, Adam's the family. They're just attacking people yeah. and pulling them in. Well, they've certainly got oh. that the speed growth formula perfected. <laughs> what's, what's the name of that... That uh, Herman, or what's the name of that plant from that musical? Seymour. Uh, Seymour. No, no, Seymour no. is feed Seymour, me, Seymour. Yeah. It's just plant, isn't it? I don't no. remember. What, what is it from? I can't remember. Little Shop no, of Horrors. Audrey, okay, right. Audrey. 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 Feed me. Yes. So you want to be a dentist. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. You know, that Monsanto float idea sounds like the beginning of uh, uh, the Moment of Truth game that you guys ran with the <laughs> yeah. uh, with the conspiracy. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're spraying the crowd. And all of a sudden, uh, all the cell phones cut out. It could be a toy. It could be a toy. It just says warning or what, what was it was. Protection. Protection. It's not in this room. It's in the next room. Yeah. yeah. Told, we're told <laughs> the next freak show is going to be the Monsanto float at the Rose Parade. This, you finally get a vacation and you're like, oh my God, the humanity, the Monsanto float has come alive. It's, uh, <laughs> I don't know how about my father I can go, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. Let me finish this poor guy's email. Now, third, I want to thank you for making my dull warehouse packing job bearable each day. I'm plowing through your backlog as we speak. I gotta, I gotta. That reminds me, I gotta clip feed her. Huh? Oh, feed, feed her. her. Right. Yeah. That means I gotta listen to that movie again. <laughs> yeah. I bet you uh, can just find. Yeah, it. Yeah, I'm sure you could find the Probably. clip of it. Uh, the show is amazing. Thank oh you. my god. <laughs> <laughs> Lured me in with a snippet at the bottom of a page, and now it goes more. I'm going to keep this email short. No, (laughs) No, you're you're not. not. No, you're not. (laughs) Uh, As I'm embarrassed just writing a single email, God, what's wrong with me? Oh, please don't answer that. I like the fact that he's having his own conversation. (laughs) Oh, oh, (laughs) That's the best part. It goes on. (laughs) So good. He has an argument with himself halfway through this paragraph. Anyway, sorry for rambling along. I have a few questions, but I will keep it to one today. As a fellow angry game designer like Stu, uh, me and my association is currently creating a rule system. Uh, it's made for generic fantasy, and the beta is scheduled to hit the printers in a few weeks. I would gladly send you guys a printed copy if you want. Cool, yeah, we'll check out whatever. That's awesome. Uh, anyway, onward to my question. I have an idea of a combat rule for the system that I want to discuss. 
The rule is basically that if a character takes enough damage to require a death check, zero hit points, uh, the player may choose to put the character out of combat. The character is now unable to continue fighting, but the character is not required to roll the death check. The player may, of course, choose to continue fighting, but receive some penalties and require to roll death checks as she continues. He or she continues. Uh, However... When I presented the rule, I got a very few feedback, if any, and the most I got was, eh, it's okay. Myself, the arrogant bastard that I am, thought it was a creative new idea. The reason for this is because this means a GM doesn't really need to fudge the dice or feel bad if an opponent uh, is too tough. Um, if I, as the GM, and would really like to end an accidental to hardcore encounter with a party wipe. Oh, I see. So if they choose to remove themselves from combat, they're just free. Or if the person says, oh, no, I'm going to stick with it, it's like, all right, your choice. Okay. You're down to zero hit points, right? Uh, Then I could uh, rules-wise tell the player that after they dropped out of combat, they are now captured by bandits instead. Uh, Yes. Oh, Jesus. That was was awfully forced there, Dave. Yeah. No, no. Sounds like you need to wipe. <laughs> My mouth. Just <laughs> a party wipe for that. <laughs> you want? Some, I, I keep some witch hazel if one's it. Oh. <laughs> I, 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 I'm speechless. <laughs> Look at Dave's floor. Dave's all right. <laughs> you can just carry both. Of us, spray some witch hazel on that shit. Oh. <laughs> You found it already. <laughs> Look at that. Hard, smart, bitch. <laughs> the uh, more I hear it, the more it sounds like a pirate. It just makes <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Feed her. Feed her. Swallow it. Oh, I totally lost my place because I was laughing. Maybe create a new opportunity for the I also want to encourage the players to be a, <clears throat> excuse me, a bit bolder, as the system itself is very deadly. Uh, I talked to some friends about this rule and got mixed feedback, so I thought it might be a good topic for you wise elders and Kimmy to discuss. Oh, that's not fair. No, it's totally we're, fair. We're, we're, wise we're elders old. and Kimmy. We're old. Yeah. Oh, that's true. She's not. Kimmy is the right. not old Okay, one. the elders part. I got that. Yeah. Right. I was focusing on the wise part. You meant elders. All right, got it. No, Kimmy could well be wise. As everybody else, she's just not ancient. She's not an elder in this yes. room, at least no. not very often. My kids run in, she is. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. Uh, is it really a bad idea to let players decide if their character dies or not? Uh, I can, of course, see that this may take away from this sense of danger. Uh, but still, there really isn't anything about this rule that tells players what happens after all of them drop out of combat. Uh, thank you again. I tried to keep this mail as short as possible. I have a Liar. few questions more, but <laughs> I, yes. but uh, I feel you got enough of my horrible spelling and broken English for one day, so I'm signing this mail off. Best regards, Tommy from snowy Sweden. P.S. Drink. <laughs> it is complete. Uh, Waha! Now get drunk and start discussing my question in the most entertaining way possible. Or talk about snow in Pasadena. Your choice. (laughs) 
I have been alive and experienced snow in Pasadena. Uh, I have. I have not. I've experienced snow in Long Beach. I do remember it snowed in like Block Kenyatta, the next town up. Does that count? Yeah, close yeah, enough. Right. Yeah. 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 I I was I, at my grandparents' house as a kid, and I remember my grandfather coming out and going, "Get outside! It's snowing. You're never going to see this again." And he was right. Oh, <laughs> humanity! I Lo and behold, my grandfather speaks the truth. I had snow in Iraq one year. That was interesting. Oh, in Iraq? You were in Iraq? Yes, uh, yes sir. As a fighter of the wars, or as just a tourist? Uh, the, the tourism industry really sucks out there, but the food <laughs> was good. Well, I, you never know. I mean, yeah. No, I went. I went. Uh, you know, my wife got. Uh, Uncle Sam's all pay, all expense paid vacation over there, so I went too. Ah, oh really? Yeah, uh, I had been out of the military for a decade when she enlisted, and then they picked her up and sent her over. So I was like, "All right, yeah, fine, I'll go." So that was interesting. Did did you were you like in active reserve at the time, or did you go in? No, I was out. I had been out for a while, and then uh, my wife. Uh, Walked into a recruiting office and was like, "Oh wow, that looks fun!" And uh, and you know that uh, <laughs> you're not still so, mad at her, are you? <laughs> did you have, no, a, com- did no, she, did you have a conversation so, before that? <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, her. Uh, you know, at one point, her boss calls me and says, uh, "Hey, you know, your wife is getting ready to deploy." And I said, uh, "I said, well, is there anything we can do about that?" And of course, the answer was no. So I said, "Hey, look, here's my social security number. Put it in, and then sign me up." And he just looked at me and he said, what do you mean? And then he typed in my social and he said, oh, yeah, we like guys like you. Come with us. And so we went over there. Wow. Mm. Next. So, yeah. So back to uh, the it's snow I don't know. It like, snowed on you while you were there. That's It did yeah, snow yeah. in Iraq. And we do have pictures of a one and a half foot tall snowman that we managed to get, get together after cobbling enough snow across an entire desert. Because it only snowed for like five minutes. Yeah. That's crazy. You're like, okay, so we'll plow this whole airfield and we'll get enough snow for our foot and a half tall. In the summer, it gets like 120 or 130 degrees, doesn't it? Uh, The hottest I had it was 138 one day. Jesus Christ. That's like enough to cook like an omelet and shit. I mean, seriously. Yeah. So plus you got to wear, um, uh, I was wearing, um, you know, my regular clothing plus, uh, uh, 40 pounds of body armor, 20 pounds of ammunition, uh, carrying, uh, a uh, hundred centiliter bag of water, um, uh, and then you know y- you got to have snacks. So there was, I think there was like a couple of ounces of Slim Jims in there somewhere. But, Step uh, into this. <laughs> oh my god, I can't imagine. I can't. One hundred thirty-eight degrees. It's, it's bad enough here in California. Christ. Seriously, yeah. It's like yeah. just just like getting in your car and it's so hot to you like burn your legs. And then people are shooting at you on top of that. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, not, not here. Just like Iraq. <laughs> no. Yeah. It depends on what area you live in, really. Yeah. San Bernardino. Oh, no. snap. Oh. I'm surprised it, he hasn't made a Stone Temple Pilots joke. Uh, oh, because of... Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Scott dying. He died, though. He didn't actually do it himself, right? Well, I don't know if there's been any word. Oh, about oh I know what you're waiting for. You're, oh, well, it's about time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank God. yeah. I was expecting Stork to walk in here and be like, "Thank God, Grunge is dead." <laughs> <laughs> he wouldn't do that. He's from the Pacific Northwest, right? But well, they're not. Yeah, are they? STP isn't from there, are they? Anyway, I don't actually, know. I, but no, grunge the is. Pacific Northwest is grungy. It is. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead. Were you done? Yeah, the email is done. <laughs> 
We talked about snow, not in Pasadena. Well, death. we did a little bit. Okay, death. Oh yeah, we should like talk about it. I'm actually, I'm actually, I'm actually thinking about changing the the death mechanic in Moment of Truth. Okay. So that after you hit zero, the player can simply elect. My character has taken enough damage at this point that I can think he should probably be dead because of this email. No, or? no, 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 no. I'd actually been thinking of this independently, but like trying to come up with a different idea for a death mechanic because it's <clears throat> very easy for a character to just get killed. Yes. But I'd rather have it so that you're like critically wounded and you're going to be nursed back to health. Or the player can say, he's so injured, he's so damaged. Where we are, at, at story plot-wise, we're not going to want to... The rest of the party is not going to want to wait the six weeks it's going to take for him to recover in the hospital. So either I will like abandon the character and he goes and goes to the hospital for six weeks and plays someone else or i can just elect at this point to say this character has died and then now, are you thinking character. about giving like some kind of mechanical bonus yes there's gonna yeah it's good it's gonna for make that? it when the, when the player elects to have his character die it makes it rain for the rest of the players as far as bonus oh for the rest of the party yes. not for him necessarily not for him <clears throat> but and it, and, and it can happen in the middle of a combat he can say oh i'm at zero hit points i've died there's three moments of truth for you, three for you, three for you, oh. three for you. So suddenly there's a big boost and no, not Blackleaf and ah, or what is it? Snails ah, and he goes after him, right? <laughs> yeah. It's that it's the snails moment. Well, I, I like maybe it. I'll call it the snails mechanic. No one will get that reference. No, I don't get that reference from the D and D movie. Uh, oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, I got you. Okay. Remember, Snails was uh, the Wayans brother. Yeah, one of the Wayans brothers. But I'm actually thinking about doing that same thing. And the other, um, the other death mechanic that I found, it took us a long time to find out how you could die in Star Wars. And for a while, both Jib and I thought that you couldn't. But the very last option on the critical injury table is you die. Hmm incredibly rare to get that result. I mean, death is incredibly rare, but that's kind of what that game is, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. well, not a clearly, lot of people die you know, in Star even, Wars. Even if the Jedi is the high ground, you get yourself hacked up, <coughs> but you don't actually die. No. <laughs> so, no, yeah, you, clearly it's hard to 6,000 degree lava. And right. You, you come back as a badass. Yeah, With, the baddest of the badasses. Yeah. Well, <laughs> sort of. You got a bunch of switches on your chest. Anybody can just randomly <laughs> flip. You go, <laughs> <laughs> no one's ever fucked with his switches. I, you though. know, you got the force. That was always my thing. I'm like, I've got, I've got the force. I'm like, click. <coughs> he's trying to figure out the combination, turn it back on again. And you just, or, or maybe each one is a trigger for laser beams. La- freaking lasers! Maybe out it's a trap. Eyes. It could be. It's like, a trap. It's I a tarp. It's just there it's, as a as a, a trap to lure in Jedi. It's just a realistic right? tape recorder. It's like the old like Radio Shack <laughs> tape recorder on his freaking chest. I'm sure that's where the breathing comes from. It's just a recording. <laughs> if One anybody, like, if he ever walks into a room and he's like, "Tell me where the plans are," and they're like. I need this to be off the record that he has to reach down and flip <laughs> the switch <laughs> turn the red one off. <laughs> no, I was always my thing about Vader. He's like, you know, all the buttons to control him are right there. You just turn them off. Did you ever hear the, how they created the sound of him breathing? Yes. Yeah. I, I have. Yeah, that's pretty neat. Oh, sorry. You're right. It's radio. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. 
What is it? I don't know. I've never heard this story. Oh, they put a microphone inside of a scuba gear. Ben yeah. Ben Burrett, who is like the sound effects god, is one of these people that likes to go out and find. That's the guy with like banging yes. hammers on, on yes. high tension lines. Yeah, exactly. Okay. That's how he got the blaster sound. Right, and, and he yeah. he goes out and he and he, he accumulated this huge library of sounds. Like the the sound of the lightsaber is a combination of the hum of an old projector, the of an okay. old video projector, right. and then he and then he had feedback from um Mike. He would get a close. So, oh, whenever okay. they, yeah, so we would combine these sounds with the of the projectors, and he would speed it up for Luke, Luke's, which was and Vader's was lower. So he would he could adjust those sounds, and then and so he was watching a live video feedback, and so he was really great with like repurposing. So he sounds. did that by with fo- oh, that's right. You know yeah. that that's the thing. It's that all analog back then. Amazes me about the sound design back then is it was all on tape. Yeah. This. It's easy. Yeah. With, with digital, it's fucking easy. That's because Ben went out and found it all. You could actually find all the sound effects now and drop, drag and drop it. You now right. get the sound all you want, and then you can fuck with it. But he went and created that library. I was always amazed at the old cartoon sound effects where they would get like springs and like BBs in a, in a mm-hmm. balloon, and they would come up with these bizarre sounds that don't exist in nature. Just a bunch of guys like, like probably, like, all right, man. Get a car spring. Let's see what that sounds like. Right, <laughs> that was their job. Mm-hmm. Right, as opposed to Ben's, like I gotta come up with a with a lightsaber. Hmm, you know, and go out and record things. These guys are like, all right, let's get a balloon. Okay, go with me. Here. Let's get a balloon and a badger, and we'll put the balloon on the badger and see what happens. Okay, man, well, we're getting paid. This will be all right. Yeah, when I was a kid, we actually went and took a tour of a fire station. Right, you know, mm-hmm. it was a field trip to see firemen and get to sit on the fire truck and all that jazz. Well, like the guy, the fire captain that was kind of talking to our little group, he goes, "Okay, now everybody, here's the deal: we're going to have a fireman come out in his full-on fire gear, you know, his bunker coat and his whole respirator and everything that he would have coming into your house to save you if your house was burning down." And he's like, if it ever happens, there's going to be a lot of smoke, and you're supposed to get on the ground. You know, like, he went through all the safety stuff. Right. And he goes, now, here's the important thing to remember. The fireman is going to come in, and he's going to look like a giant, because he's wearing all his gear, and he's going to sound just like Darth Vader, (laughs) because he has a respirator on, and that's what they use for the sound for Darth Vader. And this is the 80s, and all kids know Darth Vader should be some scary shit coming into your house. So apparently they had a rash of kids that would run away or hide in the closet of their burning house because they thought Darth Vader had come to take them away. (laughs) And so he went through this whole thing and had the guy come out and stand there and go, (gasps) and breathe for us and like be like, okay... Heaven forbid, but if your house is ever on fire and the fireman comes to get you and you see Don't somebody you think is Darth Vader, wow. go to him. He's there to help you. And, yeah, it was... What are you looking up there, Stu? you got a wiki up well, I, 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 I remember, I'm, so I'm trying to find one of them. So there were some of the old, when we were talking about ridiculous things people used to do for music recording or sound recording, uh-huh. they actually had reverberation chambers for some of the the larger studios and it was an underground hole con- lined in concrete with microphones and speakers 
It puts the lotion cause... on its skin. It does this when no, it No, 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 like sealed underground. Oh, okay. Oh, it's the cord, yeah. Or There's a hum. Yeah, it is. There's oh, a hum in the studio again. What did you call it? Ground... Uh... There it goes. Um, the... Uh, but anyway, th- these are like a sealed room that would be like underneath the parking lot or something in, in the studio, and in a fairly large room, and there would be microphones and speakers hooked into it, and it's like, oh, we need to have reverb on this song, and we need more than what's in the in the n- room naturally the where they're recording it, so we're going to send the audio down to this speaker in this empty chamber, and then on the other end of it, there's a microphone, and then <laughs> it run. The- yeah, it was crazy. The stuff they had to do back then. Yep, it's all analog, too. Do we answer his question? I don't know if it's dead. You guys are death mechanic. <laughs> right. Oh, right. it's death mechanic. You actually said you'd agree uh, to I'm actually, I'm actually a fan of... Um, I mean, if you're playing with mature players, hopefully we all are, um, I'm a fan of letting the, the player decide, this is a good death for my character. This is the time when my character is going to expire. I kind of I like that idea. Yeah. Walt's a game designer. What do you think about death? It's true. Um, uh, from a comic book standpoint... Death is a myth because <laughs> everybody comes back. But um, or if you're Deadpool, you never actually really die. You know, I I really thought about not showing you this, but you know, I got my Deadpool on right now. Oh, so. oh, I don't. I, he's like my least favorite Marvel hero of all time. I really don't like Deadpool. I'm just a Ryan Reynolds fan. Um, but uh, I, as far as death, he made a great that? Green Lantern. Let's. He should have just stayed there. Yeah, well, they should have actually made a Green Lantern movie. That would have been great. That's not his um, fault. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Um, I think uh, I, I really like the idea of um, allowing the player to choose the time and place of their death so that it gives a benefic- uh, uh, benefit to the rest of the group. That's a great idea. I mean, and then you get that, you know, that moment where, you know, Darth Vader's screaming, no, but, you know, everybody else is all rallied up and, you know, mm-hmm. going ready to ready to fight so i mean that's amazing um uh as far as like uh a player controlling the time and point of when he's going to check out look at look at what you're talking about i mean the average bullet wound um to a fleshy part of the body can take anywhere between three to six weeks to heal and that's if it doesn't hit anything major you know if it hits a bone dear god now now you're talking uh, any number of injuries could compile that so in moment of truth which you know um sounds like it's really deadly uh, just just the the thought of people getting into combat is enough to keep them out of it. But I mean, say yes, they get it into has that been, combat, yeah. you know, they get into that combat and that guy gets shot. He's not up and around for anywhere between three to six months. You're not going to wait for that at the table. I mean, he's basically checking out of the game anyway. So if it gives a mechanical advantage to the players at the table and gives um, a boost to the story, that's amazing. I, I mean, run with it. You know, rock out with your bad self. Um, as far as like uh, just regular death and and characters going um, expiring on their own, I mean that's something that can really play itself out in any uh, role playing game, especially if the story is gonna uh, uh, is gonna benefit from it. But the hard part is going to be at something like say you're playing fantasy. I mean, you're going to have to get a creative GM to come into like if they're doing a dungeon dive and they're in like level thirty of the sixty level whatever. You know where did where does the new character come from? Does he get to play a new character? You know these are all story elements that are going to have to be acted on later. So we're you know um, I think that uh, was it Tommy. Uh, Tommy's going to have some uh, 
gonna have some splaining to do with some more of his uh some more of his how his system works yeah yeah it, i agree if you well, make a realistic system where death is an actual problem uh, yeah you have that whole recovery thing it's like look i'm trying to make it realistic well in real life injury and death isn't heroic or fun you know you get shot with a bullet you don't keep walking very rarely at least for very long and in most well, depends, movies i think it depends on the caliber too well yeah let's not descend into well a, a, buddy, a buddy of mine <laughs> we got in trouble last time we talked about calibers of weaponry because we were wrong well, we got to correct a, it. a buddy of mine was was shot in a drive-by with 22 with 22s and he did the, he was like walking down an alley he heard the gunfire he didn't even realize he'd been hit, and he got hit like three times. Wow! Like w- once in like the upper arm, and then in the forearm on the same arm, and then like somewhere on his back. And he didn't actually realize he had been bleeding until he walked about another twenty or thirty feet, and he's like, "Ow, that stings! It really... Oh, my hand is wet. What? What the? Oh shit!" And, yeah. <clears throat> wow. It was drive by. Yeah. It was a, a random drive by. He wasn't. The target of same. Well, he was, but it was a rant. It wasn't like a we're going to get him. Right? It wasn't that thing? We, we want to get that journalism student from Long Beach. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you look at guys like uh, like in Operation Red Wing that went on in Afghanistan, um, you had a bunch of Navy SEALs that went down to take uh, get some intel on uh, a batch of terrorists, and uh, they run across uh, Goat Herder and his family. Do you kill him? Do not kill him. They decided not to kill him, and all hell broke loose. Goat herders run and tell, hey, we got Americans up on the hill, and they get into this intense firefight. Um, one of the guys, uh, uh, this guy Dietz, he was hit seven or eight times uh, with AK-47 rounds, which are Ooh. you know, basically the size of like you know, hunting rifle bullets. Um, uh, you know, he was hit in, in the body. He was, uh, body armor took most of it, but he got hit in the leg. He was hit in the neck, and he continued Jesus. to fight like that. You know, um, it was it, 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 the whole story of that. Um, and then you have, uh, uh, you know, you have uh, the guy who's the only guy who survived it, uh, Marcus Luttrell. Uh, he was hit multiple times as well. So, I mean, you know, you can survive quite a bit and keep fighting. But um, going back to what you guys were saying, um, how do you bring that to the game table? Uh, you know, if you're going to be, if that character, especially in a deadly system, is going to be out for three to six weeks or more, you know, uh, in game time, uh, might as well either replace him or have that heroic death that uh, that elevates the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and I, I got to say, as a side note too, games like that always affect the way I play. I know a traveler. I'm very cautious when I go into combat because, oh, yeah. yeah, well, oftentimes you don't. <coughs> Stork is very cautious anytime there well, might be a dice roll. Yes, I mean <laughs> to be honest, yes. Like it's like, oh look. You could try and sneak into that guy's house and steal the important thing you need. No, 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 no. Let's not do that. <laughs> let's let's talk about this. Let, let me see if I can talk my way out of this. Wait first. until that guy goes drinking. Yeah, and, and then we'll try and take it. Right. All right. Thank you, Tommy. Okay. Next email is from Pete from St. Albans. Oh, I think it's Want back. Take it. I think it's back to one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's from her Ruby. Sure. Email from Pete from St. Albans. Greetings, douchebaggerinos and the stoochmeister. Pete in St. Albans, uh, Herefordshire, England here. Damn. Recently, I, I would try to do my British Army officer voice. Good try. Stoutly tired. Recently, I've been attacking the podcast from 
both ends. A while ago, I picked it up from another podcast, which has so paled in comparison, I can't remember its name. <gasps> Ugh, brown nose. Anyway, between new episodes, I have been filling the gap with the older sessions. I have to say, I love the show. Great advice, great chat, or bants, as the idiots in my homeland say, and great belching. Thank you all uh, thank you all, you fine people. Keep it up and drink. I like I like bants. We're gonna have to use that more often. Is, is that short for banter? I think I'm so. Bants, yes. I agree. To your me. homeland people are idiots. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like that term at you all. You don't like bants? No, yeah. that's like someone who says whatevs. Oh god, <laughs> or or totes. <sighs> yeah, or the maths. Oh wait, that's the same country. What the maths? <laughs> oh, the maths. Yeah, they invented the language, though. I can't... But I don't like that. I don't to, like that. I'm sorry, go ahead. To the meat of the... No, no, I'm sorry. Uh, to the meat of the message. I have a few things I wanted to share with you. My group, my next game, and a shameless plug. My group. I've been role-playing for nearly 30 years, and for most of those, I've been the DM, GM, storyteller, whatever you want to call it. I run a club in my hometown that meets every Monday night in a friend's restaurant. He doesn't open to normals on a Monday and serves black sheep ale. We have around 30 people show up on uh, of an evening and have an extended members list of around 80. It's Holy okay. Crap. I don't think it's made out of actual black sheep. <laughs> I wouldn't care if it was. If there's some guy that's willing to run, open up his restaurant for private right? game night. Right, on, on a day he no, normally has off. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's like a private game convention every Monday. Yeah. 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 We've been going for 15 years, and I'd really appreciate it. A shout-out. For the St. Albans Role Playing Group. It's St. Albans Role Playing Group. 15 years, too. Wow. Now, real quick, yeah. I read this ahead of time and I Googled St. Albans Gaming Group. Mm-hmm. And I discovered there's not only this guy's group that seems to be like a private club, <laughs> there's like a St. Albans board gaming group. That meets weekly and then has special events as well in the same little town. Oh, really? And I'm like, what is this? Like the gaming nexus of the UK, or (laughs) (laughs) maybe it is. Yeah, Uh, yeah, they got there. There it is. Gaming mecca. They've got a Facebook page right there in Hertfordshire. But that's the other group. That's not this group. No, it says role playing club. Well, maybe I found. I, the... I looked up the role playing club. Ah, mm. carry on, Walt. I'm gonna yeah, like them. I, am I like them. There we go. <laughs> my my next game. We rotate games every three or four months, and starting in the new year, a friend and I are going to run a co GM game of D and D five E. This is going to be based in the Planescape setting, and all of Yay. the players will come from any of the Prime Material worlds: Toril, Kryn, Athis, Eberron, Ravenloft, Windsocket. Um, I know you guys have discussed co-GMing before, but I was interested in a particular aspect. I don't want to say too much in case the potential players are listening. However, we are going to have two teams of PCs who will be going toward a similar goal from separate angles. With around 12 to 14 sessions, we, wow, long, we, mm-hmm. want to, uh, we want the stories to brush against each other every few weeks, culminating in a massive all-out against the bad guy at the end. What advice do you have for maintaining pace and reaching that goal? Uh, do we want to discuss before we go to a shameless plug? Or yeah. Should I plug? Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> you guys co-GM a lot. 
Yeah, but not that way. Uh, but first of all, my thing was don't go twelve to fourteen sessions. I don't know if you can string it out that long. That's a, it depends. Well, I mean, it depends on how big the this, this session is. I mean, the D and D game is <laughs> so we just had our twenty second session, mm-hmm. and the storyline that's happening is kind of the storyline I had in mind from the beginning. Um, the the I think the biggest thing is you got to one must. Keep track accurate, record uh, accurate records of time <laughs> for a campaign to be meaningful, and in this case, I think that's absolutely necessary. You're going to need to li- literally, if it's two different GMs, they're going to need to have a calendar day by day and see where they are, and maybe very organically, or you know, let's say, okay, in the next two sessions, let's see if we can try to steer the players to this particular city. So that they can interact together and then part and go their own separate ways again. So they know that they're... Because that might be your kind of big reveal that these two games that are going on are in fact the same game. Yeah. yeah. But you're going to have to keep track and the two GMs are going to have to constantly make sure that time is passing at the right rate. Which might be like great for one group but for a certain time and for the other group might be kind of aggravating. I'm going going to assume that because they're all in this restaurant playing together, that they're going to be in the same room doing this. That doesn't mean they're going to be paying attention to each other. No, but they can at least communicate, like, hold on a minute. The GMs can. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, It it would be cool if it were a secret. At some point they go, what? We're going to be, whoa, that group over there? But I don't know if they can can You you know what? You can always, until the first time that they meet, you can always not keep track of time at all. If the two adventures up to that point are completely separate, yeah. they can happen at whatever pace they want. That's true. This group just happened to start six weeks earlier than that. And it won't did. matter you until what? they actually meet, and, and then they can sync up. And, and then... Anytime they're not together, wave your hands. Right. Time passes a little faster for one group, but a little slower for the other group. Ah, yeah. You know. As long as when they meet, they meet, it works out. I was going to say the super important thing, plan at least like an hour a week away from game night that you can meet with your co-GM. Yeah. That maybe you're not doing all your prep together, but at the very least you've got that other person there for a little while that you can have as a sounding board that you can... Mm-hmm. talk through, okay, well, this happened in my last game, this happened in my game, how can we line them up to do their next brush pass, and how can we line them up to still be on track for our 14-game big boss battle? Right. Like, all of that stuff. Because, like, Stork and I sit down for, like, two to four hours just to do our con game. Just one game. For one session. Right. Um, uh, I would also say you're going to be tempted to try to have them brush into each other every session, and I think that oh, might no. be a mistake. Yeah, couple times max, Th- maybe three, and, or you know, have the other GM toss you some details of what their group did last week, yeah. and then you can pepper in a couple of those details for your group the the following week. Yeah, but don't, know? but don't be tempted to like try to bring them together every time. Yeah, yeah. Don't be like, okay, well, two hours have gone by, everybody push the tables together. No. That's the big final battle, and that's fun. That's cool. And and again, that'll help, because you're not going to have to worry too much about time. As Dave says, it's not really an issue until you guys all get together and have to sync up. You can hand wave 
Well, if it really wasn't three wheel or whatever. Yeah, no one's going to know. And making those sync ups rare um, actually increases the excitement for when they happen. I mean, if you're if you're just meeting up every day and putting the teams to, the two teams together all the time, it's not that special. But you know, you have that crossover episode where the two teams brush against each other. You know, it, it, that kind of makes it that special occasion. And you know, uh, later when the whole team assembles for the big bad, it's like, oh, we know we can work together. We did it way back when. And you know, now you have this sense of history. Whereas if it's every five minutes, you guys are always together. Well, what's the big deal? Yeah, like when the first Secret Wars came out, it was exciting. And then, and now there's I don't know so many of them. I can't even care. I don't care anymore. Yeah, Crisis on Infinite Secret Earths. Yeah, yeah. got it. <laughs> Fuck that shit. Yeah, yeah. With the foil covers. Because you can't, you can't go uh, a big, a big uh, event without foil covers. Ugh. The shameless plug. As many role players before me, I have concocted my own role playing system. The system is a twist on percental and is based around skills and role playing rather than classes in combat. The setting is my own sci-fi creation. I've been playtesting this for years and want to move towards a Kickstarter in the next year or so. As somebody with four successful Kickstarters, don't beg your parents for money. <laughs> I have filmed a live play session. And, and okay, wait, wait. You just glossed over that. You said four successful ones. And you and even you were like, fuck it. Don't do it. Um, get a loan. Um, I've been playtesting this for years. That's why God made credit it. cards. Yeah, it's true. Robert Townsend um, <laughs> financed a whole film on like five credit cards back in the day. Right. Hollywood Shuffle. He made a movie. And a good one, too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I filmed a live play session on Twitch to showcase this game and hope that your listeners might find it worth a watch or listen. Please, please feel free to ignore this request, but I would be very grateful if you could point people towards Garblag Games on YouTube and Facebook. And then there's a link. Should I read the link or is it going to go I'll put it in the show notes. That Garblag is spelled G-A-R-B-L-A-G. Garblag Games. Garblag. Garblag. On the YouTubes. Anyway, whatever you decide to do with this email, I look forward to sending you more. I have many horror stories to share, and there are many people at my club that would really enjoy your podcast. I'm one step away from standing on the tables and singing Laser Printed Hero at them. Well, thanks for the fun times. Pete from St. Albans. P.S. I hope this was all read in a Dick Van Dyke Cockerney accent or in perfect Queen's English. I'm very sorry I did not get to that part of the email ahead of time sorry. and I wholeheartedly regret Perhaps that should have been was... put in the beginning there. It would have been a bit more sort of a bit more important and, and Dick Van Dyke did the best bad Cockney forever. I think it was Michael Panlin who said that they would rent Mary Poppins, because his kids love to watch Dick Van Dyke do the worst Cockney accent ever. (laughs) (laughs) Daddy, Daddy, let's watch Mary Poppins. Oh, God. Mary Poppins. And for the last P-P-P-P-P-S, take a drink. I'm almost out. Thank you, Uh, Pete from St. Albans. Got any more in there? There was something that sparked something I was thinking about. It was was read of Dick Van Dyke. It It was sending me more... Oh, oh um, yeah, you know what? If you're English and you like music and stuff, you should probably check out the Boxy Boggards and the Merry Wives of Windsor as well. We do what we... Uh, I, I say the English get up more than most. It's pub rock. It's, uh, check, check, out, uh, check out what started all this. Listen to the Boxy Boggards and then, uh, and then tell everybody to listen to our podcast. I agree. Yeah? Pimp them both. Thank you very much there, Pete from St. Albans hey. in Hertfordshire. Take up a collection. 
at your massive gaming town. Fly us all out there. We'll all run down <laughs> for you. <laughs> Take up a huge collection. We'll get rid of the boggards out there. Yeah, you too, guys are we'll like say. hitting the big time. You got a Facebook page. Yeah. I'm telling you. And a forum. You got 80 members, 100 bucks a piece. We're there. <laughs> <laughs> Next flight out. And the exchange rate is so good. That's got to be like four pounds. Yeah. 100 yeah. bucks. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> You get me there and get me into a restaurant where they'll give me beers for free. Mm-hmm. I'm in. Who's next? Gaming old games. Gaming old games, getting better at GMing and online play from Toby. Is it me? Might be me. I thought it was <laughs> me. It's you. Go ahead. Dear Happy Jacks, I've been listening since the last time Dan from Fear the Boot was a guest host. You should do that again. Yeah. Um, love your show. I listened to your discussion of learning things from horror stories and becoming a better gamer from the experience i thought you would be amused to hear that after listening to your show and other gaming podcasts i decided to combine both ideas into one you inspired me to create my own podcast oh wait that was wrong one no that was what i meant Are you sure? It was. No, I swear to God, that was the one I'm going to shit on They're your idea. They're right next ideas. to each other. No. Oh, yeah. They are. Look, see? Quick That's fart. That's what they always say. <laughs> Applause. They're right next to each other. It's just like female anatomy. That's just one, your One, part, one of them's applause and the other one isn't. <laughs> <laughs> They're right next to each other. This is a unmote rel perfect. Please don't touch it. We'll be looking at it. Let's speak my own podcast, RPG Logic, where I take our actual play recordings, break them up, and talk about the mistakes and successes that we did. What a brilliant idea. That is awesome. And he had it. We had it, but we gave it to him. Now he has it. We didn't have that idea. There's no way in hell I'm going to sit and listen through (laughs) all of our actual plays for all of my fuck-ups and then sit down and go, (laughs) no. I mean, that that takes time. time But if you did it in that voice, it would be comedy gold. (laughs) It was very Christopher Walker. It takes time. (laughs) Um, <laughs> incomprehensible. Class term trooper. Oh my god, that kills me. <laughs> I'm the GM, so I focus mostly on our on my own mistakes. Um, that's always a good idea. It's like, let me tell you how so and so fucked up here. Uh, let me tell you, nothing can break down your confidence more than going over your own failings week by week. Still, I think I'm getting better and learning from my mistakes. You are an inspiration. Well, thank you. And that is a brilliant idea. And you're probably going to improve faster than any other GM on the planet uh, by really, doing something yeah. like that. And you're right. I mean, it's basically wallowing in self-pity the entire time. Like, oh, my God, what an ass. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. But but uh, you, oh, that whole whole thing of that is always look for the way that you could have done it better. Sure. Also, you mentioned playing obsolete games. We are playing Battle Lords of the 23rd Century, which was published oh around God. 1990. I have never even heard of it. I that. haven't either. It's got the greatest combat mechanic ever uh, as a special ability for uh, one of the player races the Death Noogie. <laughs> <laughs> you sure this isn't fatal? No. <laughs> Not, not, not it's death a nookie. Death nookie. Oh, oh, okay. It's yeah, what, not death nookie. W- would no. you say about serpentine? 
it's a giant serpentine race. It's kind of like uh, if uh, um, if the Incredible Hulk and a boa constrictor had a, a love child. And they grapple their opponents and then noogie the top of the skull until it caves in. Ew, I can't make right. this up. It can't be. Uh, yeah. Not the cleanest way to kill your opponent, but... Great name. 23rd century. I love the name. Uh, 23rd century, which was published around 1990, and has rules and gear to match those times. But we still love it. Warts, heavy rules, and all. I think we play it because it's familiar to us. We first played it in college in the early 1990s. A rule set is what you... the. A rule set is what you make of it, and while some games are better at some kinds of, while some games are better at some kinds of games than others, it is really up to the players and GM to use it to tell the story they want. In addition, I love Mythos Dangerous Journeys. I have a copy of that, and I started reading it, and it's. I want to be careful how I phrase this. <laughs> it it is stupid that. Gary Gygax avoids using the term player character and all of the t- very common terms that every game now uses freely because he wanted to make sure he didn't get sued by the people who at the time owned his game. TSR, which I think at the time was still TSR. Right. It, remember that book that that we all read about the whole the, the, like the fall and rise of gaming? Drag... <sighs> Dragons and de- Dungeons, Dungeons and Designers. Yeah, or, Dungeons yeah. and Designers. And it talks very much about like who took over TSR. Who and, sued who. And it's, they did sue him for like everything. And they really, I mean, it was awful. He, I have a copy of it. And it's hard to read because he's trying to avoid getting sued. And I don't blame him for trying to avoid getting sued. Because he yeah. did. And he already had been sued a ton. And he came out with this game, but he wanted to make sure he didn't duplicate anything that he had. And all the terms he uses got duplicated, became standards for everyone else in the industry, but he didn't want to use them. So you, you have all of, I don't even Awkward remember. Reading. He has this weird... Yeah. Something persona was what was the term for a player character. Okay. I don't even remember. Mythic persona or something yeah, like that was the right. term for it. I think it. that's right. <clears throat> anyway. Uh, in addition to Mythos, Dangerous Journeys, and ran a whole campaign in it. However, I don't think I'll ever go back to play it. Uh, I'm hoping to get 21st century and to play some call of cthulhu gumshoe and savage world soon finally online gaming we've been using map tools it's free and really powerful the fog of war uh sight and lightning to lighting tools are amazing amazing uh but the program requires a ton of work to set up and run my favorite uh, it's my favorite but then i love programming and actually, I've been able to program most of the heaviest combat rules from Battle Lords into map tools, and now just point and click for us to run combat. Nobody needs to know all the rules at all. That's actually really cool. It is. Thanks for all you do. Toby, rpglogic.libsyn.com. I'll strive to remember to put that in the I'll show notes. I'll check that out just to see what fruit our discussions and uh, horror stories of born. I, I like the idea of go- recording your games and going back into dissecting them. It's a love that's, child that's of a, a, it's a love child of Happy Jacks there with you do you read your you listen to your APs and first mistake apart. trying to jerk it while your GM is the first time. What? <laughs> what? The Swedish story. Oh, oh yeah. a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> you learn from horror stories. Right. Uh, Don't be that guy. Yeah. Next. 
My combat is way too linear from N. Eric Phillips. Hey, what's up? I won't waste words by telling you how much I like the show and how it's the greatest thing ever. Hyperbole is is actually the greatest thing ever, by the way. How some of your discussions have been adopted by me or the fact you care going to make fun of my name. Also, I'm not going to write anything about what accent you should read this in. Nothing about beer, but I did enjoy a fine glass of harp the other day at the local What Americans Think Irish Bars Are Like establishment. I also won't talk about the excellent bangers and mash. I love that shite. So anyway, before I go off on a tangent about how freaking good the Amazon series Man in the Iron Castle... I thought it was Man in the High Castle. High Castle. Man in the High Castle is... It's pure gripping TV. I do love alternate histories, and this is awesome. I would have made a gr- it would have made a great setting for an RPG, and waste more of your valuable time. Valuable, pff, you guys, lol. I'm going to get right to the point because I think wasting words and using loquacious verbiage is just plain stupid. Okay, the last thing I need to waste is a whole paragraph and not get right to the point. <laughs> I have run a lot of games over the years: D and D, Top Secret. Cult with a K. What's that one called? Anyone know that one? It's called Cult with a K. Yeah. Okay. Cult with a K. <laughs> Never heard of it. GURPS. Anyone heard of that? I don't yeah. know about that one. Yeah. Uh, Marvel superheroes. Earth Dawn. Mm-hmm. Fate. Core. Savage Worlds. World of Darkness. <laughs> Don John. D O N J O N. Yeah. It's about Don Johnson. <laughs> it's a Miami Vice game. I, I think I played the Mexican version, which was Don. It's Juan. a role play. I, I played the Spanish version, Don Juan. <laughs> Uh, space opera and more, but I, Don Giovanni. Space opera. Oh yeah. my god, that was mine. That we played so much space opera. Loved I it. just remember making characters for six hours. Oh really, Mister Gerps Master? Really doesn't take that long. Not for you. It didn't take long. Even for back then, opera. no. Mm-mm. But Sorry. I won't waste your time listing them. Okay. I always find that the combat is pretty linear. Starts off after a bit, one side gets ahead, usually through the opponent's attrition, and then it becomes a death spiral for the losers. In fiction, fights work differently. Usually, the good guys are losing, and then something happens, and they get a second wind or something else, and turns the tide of battle. Without fudging the rules and perhaps giving the players some control, do you guys know of a way to add this to a game? I want to use it in something like Savage Worlds, so I'm interested in games like Fate. Glad to have made it fast. I look forward to the response. Thanks. And Eric Phillips Esquire misses. Um, you know what? I, he has a very good point. There, it's always something that's bothered me about uh, uh, RPGs is that a lot of times, like when you're, you're reading Game of Thrones or whatever, they, they get a second wind, they're like on their knees and they get a lucky hit, or uh, suddenly you know, Conan stands up and, uh, and and you're like, you're reading this, you're, it's awesome, but you can't necessarily do that in a role playing game. Yeah, you can. Um, Star FFG Star Wars comes to mind exactly because of the reward mechanic. The it's not really a re- reward mechanic, but you have what are called destiny points, and they are two sided pieces that get flipped. And when the game starts, there's a certain number on the table, and they're that's determined ram- randomly. And as the players use them up, they flip them over, and they, instead of being light side pieces, they become dark side pieces, which gives the GM ammunition, because when they're dark side pieces, they belong to the GM and the bad guys. So then the GM can start flipping them over and using them willy-nilly, and, but every time he does, 
they're now light side pieces that the players can use against the GM. And in the when I ran the minicon game, I noticed that that mechanic really created an ebb and flow to the game. So if we went into the game where the players had been using the using the 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 destiny points, suddenly they're all dark side. By the time they get into the last final fight, I'm like here we go. Boop, 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 boop. This guy's all, you know, and, and, and I'm upgrading my dice and all this stuff and just decimating what's going on in the game. But I just handed them all of these destiny points that they can now turn around and smack the bad guys down with. The, the, but, and, and I don't see in, in most games, Savage Worlds. You could house rule Savage Worlds to use a, sim- a similar system like that. Now, sa- people who like Savage Worlds will tell you that's sacrilege, but you can go get Othello ch- pieces or something. Well, but but Benny's work that way anyway. There's a, there's a time when you could you could be down to your last thing. You're like, I'm going to spend a Benny to make sure I hit him. I'm going to sp- and you keep well, spending you, Benny's. But what you do crap. is you, you you spend a Benny to get a second roll that still might fail. Well, yeah, but but when you spend a Benny, it doesn't necessarily give, give the, the other GM guy, right like. The original sort of the proto Savage Worlds in the old school Deadlands games, the 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 way the chips worked, some of them would do that. Right. Where you know if you get a white chip, that just gives you a reroll. But if you use a blue chip, you get a bigger bonus. But then the GM gets an extra white chip that he can use. Mm-hmm. You know that kind of thing. So like, yeah, it's easy to incorporate I, something. I know right now Hive Mind is just like ah because. Apocalypse worlds of power of dungeon world, all that have a mechanic like this as well, where you can spend. Uh, when we played seventy seven, don't remember. Okay, I don't remember giving something to the GM. No, neither. No, I was trying. I'm, I'm just trying to. Yeah, well, in some of the ha- the, the apocalypse hacks games, yes, there's a, and fate has it as well. But I, and again, I got to be careful because I'm not sure which fates. Well, I've I mean, it, which I have tug of war mechanic. Uh, Not that I know. Call it. All right, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> the only game I've, I've come across so far is the FMC Star Wars that has this specific mechanic where I where I spend this thing and it gives the players. You should, we should go guy. to the we should go to the chat room. I'm sure there's people right now talking about Apocalypse World. I'll look. Correct it. Go ahead, Walt. Yeah, the uh, uh, I know Fate uh, has similar mechanics. Uh, they. Uh, and, and you and very easy to plug stuff in with stuff like that. Uh, you know, um, to have uh, to have uh, uh, an advantage go to the player, and then the GM gets an advantage caused off of it. I mean, it's 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 pretty much a simple house rule that can take thirty seconds to implement, um, especially with fate. Uh, you know, with fate point mechanic and the way that that works. I mean, it's not it's it's not rocket surgery. Rocket surgery. Yeah, and you can just and you could just hand them back and forth. You know, you get the, you get that uh, that 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 pivotal moment where something happens. But uh, you know, say you're out of fate points, um, <clears throat> you could have uh, a mechanic where the player bargains against his destiny. You know, uh, I, I need to make this roll. Okay, well, I'll give you the fate point to make this roll. But that will give me one or two fate points as the GM in return, because you don't have any. So I mean, any any number of house rules like that would be really easy to implement. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
And I think that's the best way to do it because if you if you suddenly you're looking at the table and you've got a bunch like even if they're pooled if it's like they don't belong to one specific player or another right and it's just here's here's like a, a common group of fate points or bennies or whatever that anyone can grab it and use one if it's if there's a lot a lot of them the players aren't going to try to conserve them especially if they're in the final battle of the of the session they're going to throw yeah I'm gonna throw those in yep so I think use up all your dailies oh wait. Well, one of the games he talks about is the old Marvel superheroes game, though old face rake game that they used to have, and uh, they had a mechanic for a uh, like a group Benny system. Uh, they called it Karma Points, and then you would actually have a Karma Point pool um, that you could use for the group. You could actually divvy up some of the stuff that you had, put it into a group pool, and then everybody could draw from it. Yeah, hmm. I like the idea. You have to put it into, into Mott. Um, no. Uh, that, that that thing's cooked. It needs to get well, published. You know, okay, and in Mont, in Mont, you also have you know you could do a moment of truth if something gets to that point. You're on your you know you're down. Your hip points are down. You're on your hands and knees. You could you could do a moment of truth. I guess. Yeah. Oh, you could earn them like as you get injured. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could create that kind of a or force that kind of a storyline. I suppose. Yeah. We should call it. We're, we're past two hours now and right, right on. It, it's like four in the morning for him <laughs> nah it's fine i'm not scared <laughs> it's like what 130 now or 145 uh, yep that's correcto and yeah, dave, see, dave's falling asleep i'm usually getting up for work at the time right now that <laughs> yeah you're yeah all right well thank you very much for joining us i appreciate it thank yes. you for having me i really i really enjoyed myself Excellent. And it's Bam- was it called Banff Cast or Banff? Yep, the Banff Podcast. It's uh, uh, MikeLafferty.Libson.com. Okay. And it's not spelled like the Canadian ski resort. Banff. Uh, That's no, no. Banff, like with an N. <laughs> no, it's Banff. B-A- <laughs> yeah, yeah, Banff. You're right. N-F-F. F-F. Banff. Yeah. I've been there. Banff. <laughs> no, that's the sound that the snow it's the makes. It's Chris Claremont you... spelling. No, Banff. I've been there. It's Banff. <laughs> <laughs> don't you remember the Bandit of Banff? Fuck you. What was that from? Banff. I don't know. That was a movie. It says, I am the Bandit of Banff. <laughs> I do not know uh, that film. Ishtar? Maybe it's a cartoon. I distinctly remember there being a Bambit, Bandit of Banff. <laughs> <laughs> okay so well, much for calling it now he's looking like we gotta we gotta find out now <laughs> what was that a part of i need to know oh it, it, actually is it really have hold, to amend what's that hold on a second i'm gonna play this yep silence The burglar of Banff. <laughs> it's from F Troop. The burglar, the burglar of, of Banff. <laughs> and it was Agarn. Like the the new F Troop or the like? No, the, the original. The okay. Of Banff. <laughs> so clever, he once stole a beaver coat. Well, what's so clever about that? It was still on the beaver. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't think there is a burglar of Banff. Come on. All right. Because it's a guy that looks like Agarn, but it's not Agarn. That's the whole, you know, F Troop. Fucking great show. I loved F Troop.
I knew I had heard of it. <laughs> Sorry. Bamf-f-f- but it was the wow. burglar. It's a burglar. Of so yours is not Bamfuf. No. And, and actually, I messed up the. Uh, I was a bad podcast host. I. Uh, I uh, I messed up the address. It's actually Mike Laugh L A F F dot Podbean dot com. Laugh a fuck. Laugh a fuck. Laugh a I'm seeing a trend, much like all the Swedish listeners. Mike L A F F. Yes. Dot Libsyn. Nope. Podbean. Podbean. Okay. Yep. Dot com. I'm gonna I'm gonna probably lose my uh, broadcast privileges for that one. <laughs> you're gonna lose your well, license now. You're the, yeah, <laughs> your podcasting I'm, license has been revoked. They're all gonna wake up in the morning and listen to this and go, "You don't, <laughs> wait, mother of God, what's <laughs> wrong with ruined. you?" Wouldn't be the first time. All right, well, I'm gonna close this out. Thank you for listening to Season 16, Episode 2 of Happy Jack's RPG Podcast. My name is Stu. I'm Good Dave! This is Stark. And this is Walt, not from Sweden. Not from Sweden, from, from the Banff Podcast. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much for joining us again. Thanks for having me, I appreciate it. And thank you for listening to the show. We'll see you next week. We'll leave you with a song. Once was I dance for I wear no pants.
Bum, 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 bum,